You better be listening to Slezoids or I must break you. What did they tell you about me? I knew I had a brother Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise. And at the end of each episode, along with our honorary Sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon. Spooktober is upon us and we're going Italian mode. Join the sleaze. <laughs> We decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film uh, that we cover. Patreon subscribers also get an on-air shout-out and two bonus episodes every single month, which we have been doing for uh, over three years. We are slowly yeah. approaching four years, honestly. Wild. Uh, yeah, we're almost like at 200 episodes. It's crazy. We've got uh, like 90 plus of those are bonus episodes as well as our bonus transmission series where we talk about like new release uh, genre films and the movies are back. <laughs> we yes. have some uh, exciting things coming up on the bonus transmission that, you know, might be coming out, uh, you know, in the next week or two. We're going to be talking about like Paul Schrader's card counter. We're going to be talking about James Wan's Malignant. We got some stuff on the way. So if you haven't uh, signed up, patreon.com slash Lizoy's uh, podcast, I'd recommend uh, doing that up. And speaking of which, we did have a bunch people make the jump this week so we're gonna excellent shout outs here we had uh daniel old uh we had joseph who signed up at the ten dollar a month who's going to be joining us for the uh monthly virtual screenings that we do which by the time you guys are listening to this i think it's going to be next week so if you are interested uh, i don't know what the movie is yet but we might have already announced it on the patreon we're going to be jamie and i are going to be watching something and, and we also now record these so yes. if you can't make the live time that we do them you can always watch them uh, after the fact we've which we've upgraded. been having some people do uh, we had Michael uh, Herndon who applied uh, or who signed up at the uh, the yearly, the annual rate. Uh, nice, so thank thanks you. so much for for doing that. Helps us out. Uh, we had Matt Lambert sign up. Jonathan uh, Petrofessa. We had uh, Eon McGuire, uh, Benji Levi, Michael Burke, uh, Mick. Wizen, Jessica Perlman, Parker Singley. Wow, I didn't realize how many people signed up this week. Uh, yeah. Trevor Renstrom, uh, Volgetech to look. Uh, oh boy, um, <laughs> Fathum Fathamusa. Nice. Uh, one Sounds name. Powerful. I love that name. Um, <laughs> and Gene Robin. So thanks so much to uh, all of you folks for signing up. Hope you're enjoying those bonus episodes. Uh, that's the one plug for the week. The other plug, as always, is. Um, uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts. If you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts and I see the stats, I know that you are. I can see you listening right now. Scroll down to the bottom. 
and give us a good old rating and review down there. Uh, it helps us climb the ranks over at iTunes and find new listeners. And then the last plug, as always, is uh, merch. If you guys yeah. like the uh, the poster art that local horror artist based out of Toronto, Trevor Henderson, did for the podcast, uh, you can basically get that put on anything you'd like. You could get a, you could get an art print, you can get a notebook, you can get a hoodie. Uh, t-shirt whatever you can think of you can probably get our uh, art put on it uh, that link is in the description of this episode uh, as well as over at sleazoidspodcast.com for those interested and whew, all right there's the intro it, it's become a mouthful but welcome back as always i am your host josh lewis and joining me also as always is my co-host jamie miller welcome back everybody Welcome. I think two weeks ago would have been the last time you folks, free listeners, would have heard from us. We would have had special guest uh, Jared Gilman, uh, yeah. the actor some of you uh, might know from Wes Anderson's Moonrise Kingdom, um, Jim Jarmusch's Patterson. He guested on the show and brought with him uh, two films that he uh, wanted to knock off his watch list that I kind of helped him pick. And uh, we ended up having a very strange double feature of um, <laughs> 1975's Tommy, directed by Ken Ross. Russell and uh, George Romero's Martin from 1977, both films that I kind of loosely picked because I was like, hey, they're both the first names of boys from the 70s. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, and uh, weirdly enough, they they both had uh, interesting things to say about uh, growing up in that time period and kind of reacting to the cruel world uh, around you and both featured some uh, very uh, d- different types of abusive families. Uh, mm. But yeah, we had a great time breaking both of those down, uh, especially because stylistic they could not be more diametrically opposed. <laughs> yeah. um, we had fun talking about those with Jared. And then last week, there's a uh, there was a new Clint Eastwood film out called Cry Macho, and we we realized that uh, we hadn't we've talked about Clint Eastwood the actor, but we had never talked about Clint Eastwood the director yet. Uh, on this show, which was uh, kind of an oversight on our part. So we we rectified that and did an episode on one of my personal favorites that he directed, High Plains Drifter. Uh, which is just one of the most uh, hellish self depictions uh, an actor has ever placed on themselves, and for him to for it to be the movie that he chose to be the first western he directed, I think it speaks a lot to uh, you know who he is as a filmmaker. And then we yeah. also paired that with uh, the outlaw Josie Wales, which is a little bit more uh, traditional, a little bit more old fashioned, a little bit more at, of an attempt at doing something, uh, you know, a little bit uh, Fordian almost. Um, but yeah, we had we had a very interesting time breaking down uh, Clint Eastwood, both screen presence and um, director. Uh, so if you want that episode again, patreon.com slash these weights podcast. Uh, it's just in time for to see what he's doing at how old is he? 91, 92. Yeah, that's wild. To see man. what he's to see what to see what he's still doing. Um, but uh, moving on to this week, we have a very special guest um, joining us uh, over from the uh, the We Hate Movies podcast. He is the 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 third We Hate Movies host to appear on the show. We're going to collect them all. They're coming. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're very glad to have him this week, and that is Stephen Sadak. Stephen, how you doing? How you doing? I'm, am I allowed to leave? You're saying collecting. I'm just kind of curious if, if, if that's <laughs> no, no, no. We're, we're, situation. We're, yeah, we, we're keeping you all in a small purse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that sounds good. Uh, no, I'm I'm great. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, I've listened to all, a ton of you guys, and I've just just been a fan for a bit. So it's really nice to finally make it on the show, and uh, it's. Uh, I love the idea of an exercise of trying to pick a double feature. I was really excited to have that thrown at me. 
Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I, I, I wasn't sure what you were going to bring when I asked you. And I honestly was quite surprised when you did, because they were both films. I mean, cat people I knew about. So I was kind of like, I, I, I had, I knew I wanted to watch it, but the mm-hmm. other one, I'll be honest with you, hadn't even heard of it somehow. Yeah, me and, that, and I was like, how, how did that happen? Uh, so, so, uh, what did you bring with you this week and why did you pair them together? Uh, good question. Um, I brought cat people and the hidden, uh, 1987s, the hidden, did I get that right? It's 87. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, Jack shoulder. Yeah. I, for whatever reason, like, um, so, uh, cat people, I, I was introduced to, uh, when I first started dating my now wife, uh, she lived with another woman who had cat people on VHS and we watched <laughs> it all together. We were like, holy crap. Um, Jaw on the Floor, what a wild movie. We wound up doing it on my show a million years ago, I think 2012 or 2013. And I've kind of wanted to always kind of revisit it just because I've, you know, it, it, a, a lot could happen in eight years in terms of like your perception on stuff. And, yeah. you know, also our show, even though it's, we don't, it's not a, a hate, hate fest, but like usually it's kind of really punching on the movie a little bit, even for the stuff we love. Uh, I was kind of curious to look at a more neutral setting and, I was really interested in this movie, The Hidden. Uh, there's a there's a um, theater in Brooklyn, New York, uh, called the Spectacle Theater, and over uh, quarantine they were doing some virtual stuff, and I would always look for it because it felt like I was leaving uh, my home, which I wasn't doing. And one night at like eleven or midnight, they they started to stream The Hidden, and it really just knocked my socks off. And Oh, yeah. I want. I, I really. The hidden was what I was leading with, and I was like, "Well, what would pair well with it?" Well, I guess it. And Cat People kind of makes sense in terms of this. <sighs> I think Cat People is the prestige movie that plays before the hidden in the double feature. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that's the ten. That's the ten p.m. show. You know what I mean? Like, and you you drink during it, and then you're ready for the hidden at midnight. Kind of <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, even even though it, it was kind of funny when I, I I obviously watched them, you know, in in chronological order when I was doing them, and I I definitely left uh, Cat People in like that's very clearly the more prestige production, but I I ended up leaving it and going, you know what? There, there's something weirdly like more economical and sturdy about the hidden in comparison to Cat People, which is like really just like you know it, it it's wild. a very vulgar translation well, yeah. of like well, well, you know uh, something that it was more classical. <laughs> Right. Well, the hidden works and cat people doesn't. You know what I mean? That's kind of I mean, that's kind of where we're at. I think because the cat people is is really swinging for the fences. The hidden knows exactly what it is, and I think you know what it uh, just does it well. Yeah. The the things that I like that kind of uh, marry the two is obviously it's like this weird monster under the skin thing. You know what it is to be human. What it is to sort of have a body. A lot of body horror stuff. And one of my favorite things, which is a alien and or monster tearing through a city that I love, which is New Orleans and or Los Angeles. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, I think it's a, I think it's a great pairing, and I think that uh, we're going to jump right into it here. We are going to start off with Cat People. I'm so green. I can Oh, 
All right. Uh, we are talking Cat People, the 1982 uh, American erotic horror film directed by uh, Paul Schrader. It obviously stars Natasha Kinski, Malcolm McDowell, um, John Hurd is in there, Annette O'Toole is in there. Um, and it is uh, a uh, remake um, of the uh, original uh, Cat People from 1942, which uh, for anyone sort of like unfamiliar with that film, it's kind of like this uh, old Hollywood romance melodrama that kind yeah. of transitions into this sort of like B horror psychodrama <laughs> about a woman who, you know, kind of has to repress herself because of her own ancient culture or her feelings of passion will uh, explode and literally transform her into a panther that will then you know devour her <laughs> the person she's interested in and destroy her relationships and it's this very sort of like uh very beautiful kind of like uh inky little romance horror film by um uh it's, it's jacques turner right i believe so i believe so the uh the yeah, it's John I don't Turner. Want, Just confirm. Okay, okay, good stuff. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't crediting him where I should be crediting like a like an Edward G. Ulmer because it's kind of like what I think of um, <laughs> Jacques Turner in where you know he did so many genres. Like he did Out of the Past. He did I Walked with a Zombie. Um, shit, I I've seen his western uh, like Canyon Passage or like Nightfall. Uh, like th- that guy did so many different kinds of movies that sometimes I forget which ones that he did and didn't do. He also <laughs> did a movie called The Leopard Man. Which, oh, oh. Uh, he must have got because of cat people, I assume. Um, yeah. But yeah, needless to say, I, I, at the time that it came out, it was probably considered like a like a really trashy B horror kind of uh, experience. But watching it now, you know, with the all the sort of like the pool water reflections and the shadows on the walls and the sort of you know the, the sense of implication and atmosphere to it, it plays a lot more classical to today's eyes, which is going to lead us into I think what you know what Paul Schrader was kind of attempting to do, which was updating something that you know by the time it hit the eighties felt more classical and trying. Yeah to update it for the more coked out uh, vulgar <laughs> 80s including yeah, a uh, score by Giorgio, Giorgio Morador who did like the Scarface score and like that's definitely the tone that he's <laughs> he's kind of like opting for it's very interesting yeah this like the the original is is very classical like it has a almost a mystery element to it it's kind of it's slower paced there's a lot of dialogue and uh, There's ambiguity and mystery right. almost. Yes, whereas this is just like right in your face right away. Totally Very just, plotty. Yeah, yes. Yeah, there was a lot more than I than I anticipated. Especially, I mean, the, the original is only like 75 minutes long, something like that. And this is a good two hours. So he, he definitely uh, leaves room for more eroticism and craziness. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I obviously like, you know, any kind of eroticism was shocking in the 40s. So it's like, yeah. well, what's shocking to people now? incest and it's like yeah (laughs) but you know like I know we're pushing buttons and we're trying to do stuff and it's the incest thing is just so wild and the movie is afraid of it in some weird ways because a Mm -hmm. lot of it you know Kinski keeps saying you can't be my brother so like the audience is still like so people won't leave, I guess, this sort of thing. It's like, well, maybe he's not her brother. No, he absolutely is. And their superpowers are incest-based, which is <laughs> fascinating. Incest-based superpowers. <laughs> oh, man. 
It's wild. It's a, it's a wild film. I think it's like, uh, yeah, the, the score is tremendous. The cinematography is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And some of the performances are really great. You missed, by the way, uh, Josh, when you were going through the cast. Ooh. We also have two-thirds of Ed Begley Jr. in this film because he gets his arm totally ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. What a scene, too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, 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 this is one of those movies. I was really glad to revisit it just because it it just sort of plays differently every time you watch it. The more you understand what's coming, it kind of plays better, even though I, mm. I, I still firmly believe this movie just does not work as like, it doesn't stick the landing, but I, I think it Do you mostly mean like thematically? Does. Because I, I had yeah. a hard time like really understanding the like I guess what would you call it the sexual politics of this movie I'm not quite mm-hmm. entirely sure what he was saying at the end of the at the end of the day especially when he well, starts I, implementing yeah. the incestuous stuff I was like okay now I really don't know what you're because before it was well, kind of like was, a that secret. was the thing is I, I they were they were making changes to the original film because and I, I I read up that they they did feel like they didn't they felt like the sexual politics of the original didn't hold up in the sense that okay. obviously it's you know it's it's about this this woman who literally her sexuality, you know, is this thing that needs to be uh, snuffed out at the end of the original cat people. They obviously kill her or mm. she is killed. And that's what sort of ends this uh, kind of um, thing that's taking place. So apparently they they rewrote a lot of elements in this to try to avoid appearing sexist when they oh, were right. doing the same story of kind of like a woman who needs to be killed because her sexuality is, you know, uh, out of control. And is too that intense. why they add Malcolm to have the kind and of, that's why they add Malcolm. But what's so what's, what's so weird for me is that the thing that's kind of thorny about the original film is, you know, that it ties, you know, her sort of romantic expression into this sort of destructive force. And that's like a very psychological damning thing that that woman has to go through in that film. In this film, they put all of the bad stuff onto Malcolm McDowell. So for a lot of the film, I was like, she's not actually doing anything. Um, like she, like she, like she, she is not really going through much of anything except for her brother is a creep. Yeah, she's more like just <laughs> discovering what her connections with her brother and what that means yeah. with her new. They, 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 they push all the violence and all the disturbing, destructive elements onto the McDowell character. Which credit to Malcolm McDowell, um, he's great. He fucking kills it. Oh my <laughs> he's god, game, he's got to be naked the whole movie, and he's just like angry the entire time too. He's eating his protoplasm. Oh. That's <laughs> God damn. So is this your first time, Jamie, I'm assuming? Yes, first time. It was both of our first time. Okay, wow. Okay, so then I've seen this movie now three times, and every time I really get close to vomiting when it happens. And I knew it was coming. (laughs) It's just, I think it's because, like, you you also, you you see him wake up, and, you know, you you see the, like, sludge or goop surrounding him with the fur of the skin (laughs) and whatever. And just that shot of it attached to him, and you see him taking it off, putting it in his mouth, and it it stays there, too, because it even looks like he swallows it. Like, I don't know what they made him eat, but, like, it looked disgusting, absolutely (laughs) disgusting. So, yeah, that was a, he's very committed to this role, and and he is asked to do a lot of very, like, vulnerable scenes, uh, and I think he did a fantastic <laughs> job for sure. Yeah, it's one of yeah, the, one of his better performances so for sure. Yeah, he, yeah, and he's just he's he's ready to go. He gets it. I, I think the movie misses him when he dies. Um, mm-hmm. 
for oh, sure. Yeah. I think I think huge. I think I think the movie changes entirely in tone when he, you know, she finds his body and, you know, that's just that. Because then I that was what made me realize that I was like, oh, she doesn't actually get to do a whole lot as a character because she's not wrestling with the same things that she was in the original film. She doesn't have this whole her expression is tied to the pain of people that she loves. It's like she it's just not met like his the brother. Last half an hour. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well and, and she's not directly responsible for anything that her brother was was doing and hurting anyone right. or anything. So the, yeah, there's not really a whole so in, in that last half hour they pivot to actually, you know, she's now kind of like this force of yeah, control. But again, she doesn't it. she doesn't again get to you know, they do like these kind of recreations of some of the original stalking <clears throat> sequences in the original film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, she doesn't really like hurt anyone or really I mean I guess she kills the one guy in in the lake house right (laughs) her like uncle or whatever that dude is yes and and I remember just thinking man it's just weird I don't know if it was just in the way that it was written or if it was in you know Kinski's performance but I just I got a lot less out of her character because she's just not wrestling with the same kinds of things she was mostly like I have a really creepy brother and then the brother dies and then she's like okay well now I'm you know, I've been building this relationship with this, uh, you know, this sort of zoologist. And uh, yeah, now now I, I can't quite uh, do that for reasons that were a little unclear to me because <laughs> the brother dies and then she goes to the spirit realm. Well, she goes to she's... Richmond, Virginia, takes a nap and then wakes up in the spirit realm. <laughs> yeah, okay. She buys a ticket to Richmond, Virginia because she okay. needs to get out of New Orleans and then she gets off the train and is in the spirit realm and it's, I guess that's where the, that's the coolest then she, Virginia has ever been. Then she becomes incestuous which means that she can kind of control her powers a little bit better so she has (laughs) sex with him and either way we'll get into that when we get closer to the climax of of the film and everything but I definitely left this film um, you know with you know because I I do really like the the original and I like Mm. a lot of what Paul was aiming for with this idea of kind of like you know just just making the the erotic aspects of it like very uncomfortable I think that that is kind of interesting it was just weird that in in the script that he was working from that they went through multiple drafts on um you know they 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 just made some weird changes that they felt like they had to make and kind of just undermine some of the qualities that you kind of liked about uh, the original. But from Paul's directing standpoint, I think that this is about as well realized as, you know, they, they could have done based yeah. on, you know, the, the premise of what they were trying to do with this remake, which was just, how can I make it as vulgar and horny as, as possible? And obviously this, you know, <laughs> leads us to how Paul, shoots everything that takes place in this film, especially including the lead actress Kinski. And it's, you know, the, obviously this movie is home to one of my favorite pieces of movie history trivia that's oh, ever been the concocted. One about, uh, like she sleeps with the director, but he was the worst or something like that. So. <laughs> yes. Schrader, Schrader pl- fell in love with her and planned to propose to her at the rap party of oh, this shoot because he, he literally, you can, you can watch him falling in love with her on screen. Just the way that he shoots her. There's a specific and, shot um, I want to talk about. Yeah. And, and, but apparently she, you know, didn't even go to the rap party. She just, cut off all communication and left. And he eventually like tracked her down, you know, months later. And she said, Paul, I always (laughs) fuck my directors. And with you, it was difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Paul, which is the kind of thing that you're, you're surprised. Paul is still alive today. Yeah. uh, (laughs) He didn't erupt into flames when that happened. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's what would have happened to me for sure. But you oh know, uh, apparently around this time, it was the the most uh, addicted uh, to uh, drugs Paul ever was in his career at the same time. You so don't that say. probably helped him get that probably helped him get through. You know, yeah, um, this, this movie this movie will get you a little high, just a little high if you watch it. Yeah, he there's no way that he could. It's very this stylish film without cocaine. There is there was absolutely mm-hmm. no way. He needed to lots of to like there. sudden slow mo imagery, yes. like beautiful expressive colors. This very like primal atmosphere of just like lust and violence that suddenly like will move into like a Dutch angle or one, go straight uh, up eighties horror in a way that I never, Paul never did again. <laughs> one particular uh, shot that I just thought was just it, it's so Schrader was when uh, she starts to kind of seduce. Uh, I think it's Oliver, the guy that she's interested in, and instead of having the shot be her and Oliver being like Oliver being led it's actually a POV of the camera being led uh, yes. to her and I just right away was like Paul was like I just have to get one shot where she's leading me to the bed <laughs> I swear to God I know that's what he was doing it's it's like you could just see it it uh, and yeah and she she is naked through a lot of this film and in oh, the yeah. movie the camera literally love literally loves her and I think it's <laughs> yeah. I, one thing that I, I was like with her I think Hurt is wrong for this movie one of the reasons it doesn't work I think you need you know a more beautiful man like you know what I mean mm. or just more of a prototypical like statuesque dude to sort of pull it off because like Hurt is just sort of schlubby and it doesn't like it doesn't fit in terms of like this kind of. I don't know, like the, the, Super the way that sexual the sexual erotic thing. Yes, like, yeah, exactly. He doesn't exactly turn the camera on. Uh, um, <laughs> right. The well, yeah, and, and and also he just doesn't have. He's not really giving that kind of performance. Like we we know right. from the erotic uh, films we've talked about, especially the thrillers from the '90s, that you don't have to be a particularly amazing looking man. But you, all, yeah. if you're not, you have to have that kind of slimy screen presence to you. That's yes. something that Michael Douglas had, and yeah, he, her just really doesn't have it. He kind of feels like uh, he's the, the the straight man there to react to the craziness that's happening around yes. him. But then because of that, the movie will sometimes just forget about him for a while. Right. He, uh, he thinks the movie is like, oh, my God, there's a cat pe- person loose in New Orleans. Like, no, no, no. You want to fuck a cat person. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, like, it's, we're not doing like, you know, uh, chud here, but it's cat people. We're talking about like literally like weird psychosexual whatever and I mean like he gets there occasionally like I think the last shot is fairly good when he's feeding her which is so bizarre yes. yeah yeah but that is it's good. just it's it's a it's, it's a lot to ask and I don't I just don't think he's the right actor for it uh, yeah well, yeah and, 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 and you, you you definitely just wonder like you know this movie definitely feels like it's you know trying to do a kind of like monster from another world kind of movie and it did leave me wondering why this wasn't more like a De Palma movie yeah. Like why this wasn't like uh you know more about the the perverse psychology of like being in love with a fucking cat, um, <laughs> right? But no, it's 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 more like this guy doesn't even realize it. Even though in the filmmaking, some of it is there. Like I love the transformation sequence after they have sex. Yeah, and 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 she, the, the the literal fucking uh, leopard just like fucking leaps through her face and her face like tears apart and stuff like that in the bed. Like that I kind also, of imagery was the stuff that was the strongest for me, and it was weird to me that like hardly any of that was like in the actual writing, which was just odd. Yeah, speaking on just the, that, uh, like the body horror too. I love how everything is in, like so wet and slimy. Like there's a shot of her it's when so she's, moist. It's, oh, I know, dude. It's half. It's the shot where she's halfway through being like the human and the the panther or the leopard and 
And it's just so just like her face is soaking wet. It's got almost like slime attached to it. And they do really good uh, prosthetics too. Very like jagged edges on her cheeks and stuff like that. It's uh, it's it's pretty impressive, but so gross. <laughs> yeah, that middle transformation, that like sort of demoness kind of thing she's got going, is really, it's it's effectively scary. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's yeah. and the. And the this movie is almost a horror movie. It is almost, uh, you know, it, it, it's almost a lot of things. And it's Definitely. sort of, uh, I don't know. I, 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 lo- I, I like her performance when, you're, you're right, Josh, that she, once she has, once they give her the ball, sort of, so to speak, she goes for it. But like, it is McDowell's movie for the most part in the initially, but then he disappears a bunch. And it's sort of like, that performance is so good. That like weird cat jump that he does onto her bed is so, <laughs> so perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just strange because in, if they were translating the original film a little bit more faithfully, like those scenes would have been hers. Like that, right. those moments would have been hers. She would have been a scarier presence in the film. And I think that, you know, the, the horniness tied with death is kind of there in the filmmaking, especially in the way, you know, like the, the gore and stuff that does happen in here. Like when fucking Malcolm McDowell as a leopard just fucking tears uh, that one dude's arm straight Oof. off. And you oh, get yeah. the, the gushing blood out of the socket. You get like this slow-mo spray of blood all over her like white pants and everything like that um like it's it's really disturbingly done it's just strange that they they felt like it would have been sexist to make her a monster so they made so so they they didn't do that but unfortunately for her as an actress that leaves her with less to do psychologically with this character because she's not like scared of herself she's scared of her brother in a way that's you know very very different all her scenes are essentially her just discovering things for like an hour and 15 minutes and just doing She's very, very good at things, the, at the wide-eyed. Like, yeah, just having like lunch conversations. <laughs> she gets a job at the zoo. Just just very like <laughs> normal shit. Meanwhile, you get to Malcolm and he has a scene where, you know, he picks up this uh, this blonde lady and like, was it a cemetery or something? Where, where did he pick yeah. her up? And then, yeah. and then the next scene, you know, he's he's naked with her and she's saying like, Oh, it's okay. Guys get nervous. So you think that, you know, something didn't go right. And then it, it ends with a a shot of her essentially uh, giving him head. And then right after that, it cuts to like an insanely bloody scene where you see an arm ripped off. That's reaching for a phone that's off the hook. And (laughs) she tried to escape wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's craziness. And those just yeah, and that's also the nuts. scene where he eats he eats all of the uh, the bodily fluids oh, all over right. him and that's where he wakes up yeah oh, <laughs> and he just is looking well because the weirdest part I mean like the rules in quotation marks of what a cat person <laughs> is is you are born a cat person because in the, the the opening you see this almost bestiality of a woman in the spirit realm or wherever mm-hmm. the hell this is yeah uh, that opening is so sick though with it the, so with the David Bowie cat people song and oh, like the, so the slow zoom on the red sand, sand. desert oh, revealing the, the skeletons of the sacrifices oh. and yeah so it is good. that and the, it's the like panther sci-fi goes, planet shit. Yeah. <laughs> the, the panther, the panther goes up to her and embraces, her and you you know what's going on. So the rule is, you as a cat person, anytime you have sex in your human form, you will turn into a cat, and then the only way to come back is to kill somebody, unless you have sex with your sister, and then they're it's totally <laughs> cool, totally cool, totally fine. And That's that is great. the rules that they know that have been handed down through generations. <laughs> question mark. I guess. Yeah. Oh my yep. god! And that's Paul Schrader, baby. That's that. I, I, it's just 
such a wild idea to have that be the crux of your film and it's it's it, it it's never really uh it, it, it's never expressed that clearly until like sort of the end and then it is pretty clear and that's what John Hurd kind of learns and what he has to do but it is sort of this it's this weird tension of like so the only because that's the thing is that you're talking the right about the sexual politics like so so incest is good question mark because that's what you're asking <laughs> like that's 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 the only quote unquote safe sex in this yeah, film. It's like sometimes so, incest is the only answer. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it is a wild yeah, I mean, fucking ride. You, 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 you can tell that Schrader just as, you know, again, from his sort of like, uh, I guess it's our first time talking about, I think Paul Schrader's directing as, as, as well on this show. So, yeah, uh, for anyone who's who's unfamiliar, that that dude grow up uh, a hardcore repressed Midwest Calvinist. Um, <laughs> you can tell. So <laughs> yes. So the the idea of him being able to kind of explore sort of repression and taboo, kind of like through his movies, is definitely something that was interested. And in. I think it was what drew him uh, to this material. And you know, at some yeah. point, we're going to talk about like hardcore, for example. But like that, to me, is some of the best expression of that because it's literally a movie about his dad, where like George C. Scott literally plays his dad as a character who's hunting down his daughter, who you know ran to L.A. to get into the underground porn scene. So basically, he he moves from literally like the Midwest kind of repressed, you know, family life attitude, and then has that dude go into sort of like the gutter, literally breaking through like the gutter filth movie houses that he personally escaped to when, when he left home and obviously where his own career eventually got started. I think that these kinds of movies were definitely the kinds of movies that he was like, wow, my family would never have let me do something like this. And you can kind of feel him reveling in like, yeah. the, you know, in that sense of kind of like taboo yeah. and kind of pushing definitely. people. And it, it doesn't matter to him that the script kind of does these strange lurches in like <laughs> the narrative. And sometimes a scene will just end and you're like, what? Um, <laughs> Maybe we really need to question Alan Ormsby over here. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Cat People is not the movie you bring your mom to the premiere to. You know what <laughs> no. I mean? <laughs> no. And, or even the woman you're seeing. Like, I don't, you're going alone to the Cat People premiere, I think. <laughs> I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I but I I do love the way that they they found this this original kind of story, which has this kind of like an, an intriguing uh, sort of monster romance aspect to it, and they were just like, yeah, let's just let's just up the sex, the yeah. bare skin, <laughs> the yearning eyes framed in these like it's beautiful the 80s, neon baby. pulsing synth mm-hmm. tracks, um, and the then score. yeah, we'll just <laughs> the score's the great. Score can, cannot be talked about enough. I think it's just it's so perfect, and I think it mm-hmm. it really underlines all the themes and just yeah the, the Bowie bit it, it, that, that's like a top 10 Bowie song somehow you know yeah. what I mean at least for me and yeah, for a movie I, w- I was shocked because I, I had heard that song before I didn't I, I put on the movie I was like I wonder you know David Bowie did the music it's called Cat People you know like this is you know and I was like oh he literally did it for the movie I yeah so, right duh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it yeah and, and I mean I think that just that alone and just it it it, it plays into that 80s horror it's not my favorite 80s horror movie by any any stretch but there is it's got all those benchmarks that i like in 80s horror you know what i mean like obviously your synth score obviously your intense gore when it's needed and the sexual angle to it as well it all kind of plays into all this stuff but again when you're sort of parsing your way through it you're like well then why did it not 
exactly get there. That, that's what yeah. I love going back to this movie for. Is like, it's kind of a puzzling oddity. Yeah, I yeah. felt that way. Like when it ended, I did feel like I wanted to revisit it, but I I still felt like I wasn't going to fully comprehend what it was trying to say. It, 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 there's something, like I said before, there's just something really strange about it thematically, what it's saying about sexuality and stuff. I think it gets a little muddy and confusing. But that being, I mean, but with Schrader just giving it his all with his visuals, the way that he paces like er- erotic moments and or even choosing to like that one scene where you know, she's the rain is just dripping on her and she's like naked and all that. It's just only Paul Schrader could come up with these like perverted, but yet beautiful images (laughs) that make you confused, make you like, uh, like intrigued. Um, there's, there's just a lot of mystery behind this, both in the film itself, but, but the, the themes that I just don't quite, I I haven't wrapped my head around completely yet. I mean, I think that ending the movie the ending is really powerful. Obviously, you know he, he has sex with her one more time, and he ties her up first uh, right. in the most erotic way, with a cue erotic uh, there in a way <laughs> possible. And then, obviously, it ends with her in a cage, and it's this sort being of weird petted. And he, being petted and fed. And it's like this weird. <laughs> I mean, it, it's obviously a statement on like monogamy and commitment, and yeah. sort of like what it is to be what it is specifically for a woman and a woman's sexuality to be kind of contained by a man and it's that's powerful but they've weirdly found a way to make their relationship work but it works (laughs) with her behind bars yeah it's interesting yeah but it it, and again like it it is a question mark too you know what i mean like it is powerful it's really interesting but it sort of wasn't what the movie was about the entire time but it is you know Mm. it's still a powerful way to end it yep Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's just it is I, I think they caught themselves in like a we've changed enough that we are that it's we're modern. not doing the original film. But at the same time, we're trying to hit on a lot of those same themes. And, you know, there there does kind of. Yeah, I, I feel like, honestly, this movie has a slightly more interesting ending than the original film if it yeah. was doing the same things that the original film was doing. <laughs> right, yeah. but, 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 but because of the Malcolm McDowell character, which I, which I think is, a you know, again, it's a, it's a very great inclusion for this movie as a very stylish set piece machine because McDowell, you know, really, really leans into the, you know, the, the thorniness of, of the, the material that he's doing and the way that he just gets naked and wild on screen. <laughs> <laughs> and the way that his eyes move, the way that he's so impulsive and, you know, he does those cat maneuvers, which they do by like having him jump, but playing the footage backwards, which is how you get that kind of grace to them. Oh, okay. um, that's cool. you know, th- there's, there's a lot of really cool stylish trickery to it. And I think it, it makes the film a very entertaining watch, but at, at the same time, I think they do have to sacrifice, you know, some of the ideas in order to kind of like make that happen. Yeah. Um, but I, th- that's just it. It's like, if you're interested in the film because you want to see these very fun, gruesome, hallucinatory, vulgar surfaces, this film offers all of that to you <laughs> and more yeah. for two full hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd been watching this, you know, right after, cause I did go back and revisit the original too. I, I found myself just being like, man, that movie is just so graceful and filled mm. with atmosphere. And it, it's the opposite of kind of being, um, 
plotty in the way that this is the way that it has to kind of explain itself to you because it's making so many strange changes, including the, the incestuous aspect and, you know, other, other things like that. But, but yeah, Paul, I think he, he does, you know, I think they had the kind of like the right idea in terms of the style on what they were going to do. Even if this is once again, nothing, (laughs) nothing like the actual uh, transcendental style cinema that he, he, loves this is actually the most uh diametrically opposed to his kind of style that he likes to do because i don't know if you have you read that uh steven his book no i'm not because he his his whole thing is he he loves like ozu and bresson he loves this idea of a transcendental cinema a a, a movie that uh gives you uh moments to to think and breathe through the images that you're watching and doesn't explain itself to you and like so like think of you know first reformed was kind of like a uh you know kind of like to him that was uh you know him finally achieving what he had always tried to you know write about in his own film criticism because he started out as a film critic which is why you know that he's a guy who thinks through his ideas too, which is why I think I walk into a film of his kind of hoping for more in that department. But this, he was like, you know, that also translates to what he tries to do with his style. He tries to choose simpler shots, longer shots. He tries to choose, you know, uh, things that aren't as uh, in your face, even if sometimes the content um, is like, I just saw his new film, the card counter, which has to do with obviously, um, you know, a, a, a guy who committed war crimes in Iraq and you would, think that you know a movie like that would you know maybe lead to you know like a big sequence uh, some sort of shootout or something or some sort of torture sequence and uh he just kind of refuses to do that and what was so interesting is here i don't know if he was just a younger guy if he just bent to the material he went as crazy as he could have with the hypersexual sexuality, the luridness of it, the style of it, the colors. This was yeah. like everything that he d- he says that he doesn't like about the way that people make movies. But right. it's also it's, um, at the same time, it's kind of a big studio remake too, right? You know what I mean? Yes. Which is the weirdest part of this whole situation? You know, not unlike Carpenter's The Thing, sleazy a, prestige picture. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just this idea that like, oh, we want to make a horror movie and we're trying to get all of our universal greats back out there, baby. And it's like this insane Schrader movie. So he kind of, I think that's what he's also wrestling with. There's probably a lot of studio here, which is yes, amazing yeah. that anyone is signing off on this script. Period. <laughs> this seems like only the like 80s, man. Every, even the execs were coked out. Yeah. <laughs> wild shit. This would like, this would never get greenlit nowadays. No, no. no. And that's what makes it so sort of fascinating to watch. And I mean, like, you're right. I think a set piece machine is the right way to look at it. And just sort of the and that kind of like as a series of scenes, it works a little bit better just because it's sort of you get to just sort of live in them and like kind of watch Schrader's camera go to work. And that in and of itself, it's, it's kind of a movie you can kind of look at your phone sometimes, you know what I mean? And come, <laughs> yeah. and come back to it, you know? I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd love to see, if this is ever played in a theater, I would go to see it just to sort of Definitely. live it in oh, a yeah. big screen. But at the same time, like, it is a movie that is just sort of a, a collection of really fascinating images with amazing sound and some pretty good performance 
good. Yeah, well, and and, and 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 the visuals are just romantic to me in a way that you know the the writing and performances just don't get to. Yes. It's just it's it's right. a it's a weird it's a weird thing where I like I could see how you could very easily tweak some of this to like get into the feelings that the filmmaking is trying to get out of you. And when it just goes like pure cinema mode, like when it is just like some sort of set piece taking place, it's beautiful. Like that yeah. scene where she um, is first kind of realizing her own impulses because Malcolm McDowell gave her the fucking freaky eyes and it was like, I want to fuck <laughs> you, my sister. Um, she, she, uh, you know, goes on a little romantic journey with the, uh, the zoologist for a little while. And there's an amazing sequence where she goes like night vision mode and she's like hunting a rabbit through yes. the forest. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And he and makes all the yeah, colors it, it, change. Like the, the surrounding yeah. area is blue, but the thing she's focusing on is like red so she can hyper focus on it. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. She, she, she can actually like see like the body heat through yeah. her vision and everything. And, and you get swept up into her like stalking and preying on this thing. And I was like, that is such an amazing sequence in such a visual way. And especially the music too in that. Right. I, I think the track on the scores that are really called like hunting rabbits or something like that or you know like it's like it's it's very very well done and you just go man where is that in like the character scene like yeah when two characters are talking about you know this ancient cat people and talking about their love for each other and you're like where is that style you know during that part like where is the scene where you see her do that to like the guy that she loves right doing the same sort of like predator vision to that guy and getting into the perversity of wanting to hunt down this thing that you're in love with and it's just it's just weird that you can you can see how with just such small tweaks this could actually be a really great movie yeah um, she definitely needed to be battling with it throughout her normal life I feel like and instead they give that to Malcolm and make her kind of just like unravel everything very slowly until she finally mm-hmm. gets that scene that you were talking about it would have been nice to have some more hints uh, well, yeah, proceeding and, up and, to that and when when Malcolm McDowell does go down, it's a really great, obviously, set piece where he's he's literally just fighting this. It's something that's great about the original too. Actually, the the absurd image of just like you know, there's like a woman in your room, and then she's a cat, and then oh shit, you're fighting a cat. You're like, what is the logistics <laughs> yeah. of fighting a cat like that? That in the original, when the cat jumps out, I still get kind of freaked out by that because I don't know what animal control was like in 1942. But um, when when they do it in in this one, there's you know, he's like holding a chair, he's like throwing shit at the cat. You're like how do you fight this giant cat who's in yeah. my room? And eventually, the the uh, I think it's a, a O'Toole runs in with a shotgun and like shoots yeah. him out the window. And then you get to see his bloody body on the grass and like a great image and her like shouting into the sky. And it's very melodramatic. And, and it's just one of those things where like again, you don't get so much her feelings for her brother. So like it's a thing that like if they had just developed it a little bit earlier, you would kind of understand the sort of emotional expression taking place. And then when it gets into that back last like 30 minutes after the brother is dead she's basically just recreating the set pieces from the original film like there's literally like right. the bit where she's tracking the, the one part. girl um through the park there, there's even the part where the 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 train uh stops suddenly yes. uh but but what's so weird is that again in the original film it's like there's like these the the branches are suddenly moving and then the thing comes to a stop it's like builds up in kind of uh intensity and it's just this weird thing where uh paul 
recreating the same sequences is kind of losing some of that at the same time too. Like even the pool scene, which they basically steal like image for the image, which the I same, yeah. yeah, which is what I, I I read that basically him and John Bailey were basically like, yeah, we we just couldn't think of a better way to do it. They were like, we think they nailed <laughs> this it. is too good. So we just, <laughs> we just did it again. That's I I almost respect that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you know what? Here's yeah. the thing, Annette O'Toole. I've worked at a gym, and if you're the asshole that comes with five minutes before closing and it's like I just need to get in you deserve to be stalked <laughs> by a cat how about that <laughs> there you go because people want to go home that's how that works <laughs> that's right uh, yeah but I love I mean what's what's and also like the cat acting the you know the big cat acting whatever the, I think they're leopards uh, that are that are painted to be pumas or whatever that is it, it got me and I mean I don't know how actors do this because any movie can turn into roar really quickly oh, you know yeah. what I mean oh yeah like, so sorry they, they were they were they were cougars that had to be dyed black because real leopards apparently are like untrainable these cougars are get like John Hurd is like wrestling with this thing in certain scenes yes yeah, dude. the first time they capture Malcolm McDowell in that uh, flop house or whatever is like yeah. an incredible sequence of like big cat acting and like he gets into it with it it's, it's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah, and 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 I, I love too when they when they find Malcolm McDowell's like layer of bodies and yes. just gore everywhere. They were like, yeah, we, I, I guess your brother was a serial killer this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, okay, well, that's that's good to know, I guess. Um, yeah, but then yeah, and then obviously the way that that relates to kind of like the the zoo stuff. I I didn't I I did not um I, I liked the idea of her like uh being someone who gets to work in like the zoo gift shop and stuff like that. There's a, there's yeah. a couple little changes in there that are kind of nice, but again, it's just uh, you know, it's just the the writing for the two main performances between Kinski and Hurd. It just it, it's definitely not as thorough and not as um interesting even though you know again there's some neat ideas especially when you have malcolm because his plot point is just so interesting every time they went back to malcolm i was like just enthralled i really enjoyed his struggle she's hunting o'toole because she uh for sexual jealousy of john hurd or is that some implied i think think it's it's supposed to be something to do with the fact that um they are both competing for heard but then you're you're both you are kind of left to wonder like both of these women want this guy okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah he does he's such a a dick to o'toole (laughs) (laughs) yeah he he definitely doesn't play it as like a heart stopper so the fact that you have two of these just absolutely tent like gorgeous women (laughs) fighting over him does feel a little strange he settles for a net a 1982 a netto tool. Are you fucking yeah, kidding me? Yeah, that's a settle. That's a settle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Come yeah, on, I guess so. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? He holds his own against the cat. So <laughs> you know, he's got he's got, he's he got some strength. He takes her on a nice trip out to nature, where you know <laughs> they 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 have they have a good uh, good time out there. And I do I do uh, love the the eventual uh, sort of climactic sex scenes. But but again, the sex scenes are filmed so much more interesting. You wish the character work was like mm-hmm. as strong in them. But like man, when they eventually you know like there's like this crazy like uh, uh, sort of like 180 pan uh, over his body as he like mounts her and as he like 
fucking uh, uh, starts like tying and like doing the BDSM and things yes. like that yeah. as well because he's like I'm gonna have sex with you but you're gonna turn into a cat and I want you restrained when you turn <laughs> into a cat <laughs> and and you you understand at that point on a plot level what's happening but yeah. like the way that it's done again it's it's so like sensually done and so just uh, strange and yeah. yeah that you know you you do, you do get into that stuff and again the crazy synth score playing while he's doing that kind of stuff is 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 wonderful as well so like again as as a series of like weirdly erotic horror set pieces um this movie does really really work and i i mean again the it's not just them you know him tying her up i i think my favorite bit is the full body horror transformation that she does oh, when yeah. you see like her claws rip out of her hands and oh. her face pops off to reveal the leopard her spine is like opening up and you see like the fangs come in and the claws coming through the it sheets it reminded and, me of you know, uh, werewolf in london a lot Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was really good. Very good. That, but in like the middle of a sex scene. Y- yes. Um, yeah. Werewolf in London, it's painful, right? Like that's you, the guy yes. is screaming the whole time and it's like right. this kind of like you feel the heat and all that stuff that he's going through. But here it's like, it is like my true self coming out kind of a thing, right? It's right. just, it's me shedding this outer layer very quite easily even though it's like horrific looking and gel induced but it is very you know it is quite easy for her to slink out of it in a sex horror way and it's Mm -hmm. it's saying a lot and it's it's just saying a whole and i mean that's uh, the transgressions of this movie i find really fascinating all the buttons it's pushing the bdsm Mm -hmm. the incest the (laughs) the sort of uh patriarchy stuff that we're kind of toying with etc etc It's just, you know, it, this movie could have been Basic Instinct, a huge erotic hit, and it just isn't. Yeah. I, just yeah. too weird for people, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I got to say, it, it, a, a little bit for me is that it's just, I, I think it's it's just confused and overlong, yeah, which is just like a, 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 a qualities you don't like to see combined together. Like no. if you're one of those things, I feel like there's uh, forgiveness a lot of the time, especially for me. Luckily, um, Schrader I can, I can really deal with a movie it. I don't wholly understand, but I love yeah. the vibes or a movie that, you know, does overstays its welcome, but like it's, it's, it rocks the whole time. <laughs> and this movie just, you know, kind of has just both of those qualities in a way that I don't, I don't quite um, love, even though again, I, I really couldn't take my eyes off it watching it the first that, time that's the thing uh, it's gorgeous through and yes. through yeah can't take that and away from paul ever <laughs> and you can you can feel every minute of the two hours though that is kind of a that's, yes. that is a real a yeah. real slight to the film yeah about halfway through i was kind of like uh i i get it and uh <laughs> <laughs> we can get to the craziness now so um, yeah especially having the original movie be 75 minutes i mean adding an entire 45 minutes of plotting yeah. can really slow a film down so um but luckily we yeah and, and, and then also that that plotting so. being the reason you're kind of confused about what the movie's about <laughs> yes, too is yeah. the kind of the issue Doesn't too help. you're kind of like oh okay so she's got a brother <laughs> they're both in the he the brother is dead but he's in the spirit realm now and now <laughs> she is comfortable with her family and the cat and now she can and have incest. sex but not turn into a cat but then she still does and <laughs> yeah so I you know there was a one. little bit of a part for me where I was like uh, you know I might need someone to walk me through what <laughs> exactly they were doing (laughs) on some of it but but uh, but all the uh the the psychedelic style of it i was uh you know i was definitely feeling it so i gotta Mm -hmm. give them give them props there for sure 
Yeah, I'm right. There and then, yeah, it, it all leads to that very uh, interesting ending that kind of feels like it comes out of nowhere, <laughs> but it, but is interesting. And it, you can tell that they kind of had the, uh, you know, they had the, the way they were going to shoot it planned out in advance because Paul loves, I don't know why this is his thing, but he loves playing with, um, with freeze frame endings. Yeah. And, um, he, this was he, a cool he, one. he does. Yeah, this was a cool one because it, it, you know, obviously they he has sex with her, BDSM sex with her, and turns her back into the leopard, which then he cages and puts in the zoo, and she's going to live the rest of her life there. And he feeds her and he pets her, and you know, she actually does become kind of like docile um, to to him in a way, like she's controlled, and then um, it freeze frames on that, and then it starts bringing the cat people song right back in, and then. (laughs) in time to queue up with David Go- David Bowie being like with gasoline yeah, the, drop. Uh, the drop hits and the freeze frame ends and the, f- the footage starts again and yes. the yeah the the leopard is just fucking growling, growling and yeah and then just another freeze fangs frame. <laughs> out making the noise and then it refreeze frames and continues going which is just like such a you know sort of like well-conceived kind of bit of ambiguity yeah, that the film absolutely. previously didn't have which is like what is their relationship like can you yeah. really control yeah the animal still inside like this kind of thing but yeah, it, and I'm and, oh, sorry, and not to be lost though is the dumpiness of the New Orleans Zoo here because she it's not like <laughs> it's not a huge enclosure with with trees and shit. Right, she's in a, like right. you feel bad for those animals. <laughs> it, it is a it is a prison cell, like full yeah. on through and through, which is horrible uh, for the animal, animal rights people, but. The only animal yeah, it's, that it's looks not like, like this enclosure recreating her environment or anything. No. <laughs> the only animal that looks like he's having a decent time is the uh, the chimpanzee watching television in his cage. <laughs> yeah, that, dude, he's watching it. his soaps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's great. Catching up. Yep. That rule. I did love some of the small detail personality. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, but I mean, I think that that's also part of it, right? It's, it's not even just a zoo, it's a fucking jail. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, Which exactly. is really something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, very interesting once again to see Paul uh, doing his freeze frame thing because I've seen enough of his movies now to be like, man, he really loves doing that because I, I recently um, watched Light Sleeper. Have you guys seen oh, Light Sleeper? Yeah, I keep really good. meaning to watch it. Because that that has a freeze frame, which I won't spoil. But there's there was something really amazing about it, which was that the it it it's a freeze frame, and your mind goes, "Oh, okay, that's a freeze frame." And then about ten seconds later, you realize that it was not a freeze frame, and actually the entire oh. credits are a shot that he made the actors hold because you can actually see them slightly move. It's um, yeah, so so it's not a freeze frame, and it, it's actually kind of powerful because it's a romantic moment, um, and mm-hmm. uh, so it's kind of like the actors get to keep living that romantic moment for like the the length that they will hold still. Um, so it's kind of nice, <laughs> and and also not to spoil it, but he does it again in the card counter. So I don't know <laughs> what his fucking deal is with this, but he he really loves this idea of um, you know uh, freezing a moment in time that's like you know saying yeah. something very very specific this kind of feeling that you're capturing and uh in this one you're left with appropriately ambiguous <laughs> kind of ending that left me you know feeling like okay that was a solid um ending yeah although i it did leave me wondering um how much ketamine 
they needed uh, <laughs> to get that leopard to do what it was to, to perform the way that it was performing. Is that what they use? <laughs> uh, I'm guessing oh, <laughs> something yeah. strong for sure, man, because these are big motherfucking cats. Yeah, dude. And they're performing like yeah, they, they are. are doing crazy yes. movements and shit. Some like, of the timing they, was pretty wild. Yeah. The autopsy yeah. with with herd and that I mean it, it seems like that's a that's a, an s you don't talk about ketamine and a sleep cougar or whatever the hell they're using it, yeah it looks it's not it's definitely not a fucking puppet and he's like touching it and moving around yeah. and I'm like yeah right. that is a great, great body horror sequence too just to briefly say oh, yes. when it melts and then the arm oh, comes yes. out the green slime I'd really like that <laughs> oh I almost forgot about it. yeah when he's trying to do the uh, the autopsy on it right yeah Malcolm's on, on, on body just melts completely on Malcolm yeah. It's such a cool idea, but I mean, like, it's that there's this there's this great uh, Mitchell and Webb sketch where uh, I think it's um, Robert Webb keeps going up to really dangerous uh, like uh, activities, like bungee jumping without a bungee cord or whatever. But he keeps going to David Mitchell, like, but it's totally safe, right? It's like, oh yeah, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. And like the bit is like it's entirely not safe, which I feel like that's being on a movie set with a big cat. It's like, oh, so I can, so he's just down, right? I can just grab his face. Oh yeah, it's fine. It's like I don't know, man. That thing can <laughs> change in an instant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that uh, will uh, wrap it up for uh, cat people. We're going to enter, I think, the reductive rating right here, which for you, uh, Steve, is where we remove all the words, all the nuance, and uh, give the movie a uh, rating between one and five. But it's also turned into kind of like uh, closing uh, statements or any scenes that we didn't hit that we uh, forgot to uh, bring up. But for me, this gets a very uh, very high three for me, I think. I, yeah. I, I thought about the four on it because I did really enjoy it but i i did uh at a certain point realize that a lot of my enjoyment of it was a very surface enjoyment that this is a very mm-hmm. gruesome and vulgar and erotic retelling of a you know sort of like more graceful and economical horror film and i began to just realize that i kind of i i got more out of the ideas in the original version of this film than i did in this film um mm. but that being said again this is you know it's 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 really unbelievable to look at both because you know the actors are as bare skin as possible um all the time lit with beautiful neon and pulsing synth everywhere but also you know like again the the amount of uh sort of like a horror sequencing that he came up with for this i think was um you know, uh, really well realized a lot of the sort of uh, the predatory qualities, the stalking qualities, the some of the um, paranoid atmosphere of it. It's it's very, um, you know, uh, sleazy and stylish in the kind of ways that we um, like to talk about uh, on this show, especially. But I think if we're going to talk about honestly, 80s horror movies, uh, you know, sort of about a female sex object horror. I do think I might land uh, more on the side of uh, Toby Hooper's Life Force on this one. Mm, A movie where uh, Matilda May uh, literally uh, kickstarts the apocalypse because uh, everyone is just too damn horny. You know, I get it. Uh, and, and, and just watching, you know, like vampire space succubus, just like suck the life force out of people. Like, I I think they made the right choice making her appropriately, 
you know, have to deal with the fact that she's the one dealing out the destruction. And I think this movie does lose something by, and it kind of fails Kinski by, um, you know, I think that she's good, but I think that she's not given as interesting of material as she could have been given. And uh, the few moments where she is given it and she gets to turn Huntress, which is really only for like, you know, kind of like 15 minutes of the movie, really. um, She's commanding the way that she leads um, John Hurd around the way that, um, you know, when she gets to do the body horror sequencing and transform, when she gets to hunt that rabbit down in this sort of psychedelic synth sequence, you know, like it's in, in those moments, she's really good. Um, and in the moments where she has to be like where Malcolm McDowell gets to be amazing and she just has to be scared and kind of like be and confused. <laughs> and, and then John Hurd gets to be like, you know, just kind of like this average looking dude who, <laughs> who uh, st- steals her tens. heart. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just like, you know, in, in that stuff, it's just not quite um, as interesting. And I think that that's a fault of, you know, uh, probably the three or four different drafts they did of this. I know that Roger <laughs> Vadim, who did Barbarella, uh, did a draft or who was was hired at one point. I know that Bob Clark, who did uh, Black Christmas, was involved in the draft at one point. It just seems like there's a lot of people kind of had different ideas and they, you know, they kind of threw them together and kind of hoped they could get out of it what they got. And, you know, for a studio mess, this is one of the more beautiful, uh, entertaining messes that you can watch. Definitely. So high three. Yeah. For me, it's also, I think that that high three, I think it's just like, like visually, this is incredible. I could just watch this on mute and, and enjoy it. Uh, but I will say just thematically, it is very confusing. I found by the end, I wasn't quite sure what they were saying about sexuality or, or anything like that. Um, I, I did miss a little bit of the the mystery that the the older one has, the forty two version. Uh, mm-hmm. But I will say that it was endlessly intriguing to watch Paul Schrader become more and more in love with the lead actress. Like I, I already mentioned that one <laughs> shot, but the the camera being led by her is just you, yeah, you know that it. he conceptualized that bad boy. Oh yeah, like he was like, I need one shot where she leads me into the bed. I just have to have it. It's just so Schrader. Um, but yeah, yeah and, 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 and she's the daughter, right, of, of Klaus Kinski. I, I, I did, oh, is it? I, I, didn't, I, I didn't look that up, but I, I, I just I kind so. of assumed. Okay. Yeah. Wow, and, that's... Because we've, we, we've talked about him before on um, The Great Silence, obviously, yeah, which, where fantastic. he is just so villainous in his look. And there were a couple times where she kind of had that face, and I was like, man, give her more villainous yeah, shit to do. That's the thing. Uh, she, I, I agree with you um, where they needed to give her more more uh, just just more scenes to chew on because it's um, y- you give everything to Malcolm, which don't get me wrong. I love all Malcolm's scenes. I just think that there should have been a, a balance there um, so that when she starts mm-hmm. to transform, we we feel it a little more and it doesn't feel so just sudden. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I, I well, think and, this and, is and, and he's good. the um, he's the, her, like her. Uh, he was the uh, Nosferatu and Herzog's version of Nosferatu oh, yes, from 79 right, yeah. just a couple years earlier too. Right. Yeah. So I was like, man, they, they really could have just got like the, the female Klaus Kinski and they could have really got that performance if they made her as monstrous as you know, he gets to perform being sometimes. Yeah. It felt like they um, didn't want to quite, I guess, touch, touch the politics a little bit until like, but, yeah. but they still kind of do in the end. So that's, what's weird that they, that they hold off for so long before they start, giving it to you but I don't know I, I would give this the high three I am gonna rewatch it and revisit it um, it's intriguing to me I just don't know if it'll ever get to that four because thematically I'm pretty confused about what it's trying to say so we'll see but really good regardless 
Awesome. Yeah, I would go high three as well. Um, probably if, if it's not a cup out of three and a half, uh, as you do on oh, yeah. Letterboxd, at least. Uh, because it's it's got, it, it does. I mean, it, I think intriguing is the right word because there's just so much here. And that's what kind of a messy movie like this does, at least because the mm-hmm. dots don't connect quite as well. It, you can kind of scratch it at the roof of your mouth like a, like a canker sore a little bit and be like, what is that? <laughs> and like, it kind of gets... Yeah in your head a little bit in a good way I think I mean like I would be wary of anyone that gives this movie a five anyway <laughs> you know what I mean if, anyone, if somebody's like finally they're saying it man like, what are they saying check the um, basement <laughs> exactly I would be a, a little wary of a fiver here I but I, I do I just think that like there is there's Roger so Ebert almost gave it the five exactly <laughs> it's, it's, think, it, it should be worth noting <laughs> Which is odd for Raj because he's can be puritanical and like this is totally not that. Uh, it's just, but it, it, there's just so much to look at and enjoy. It's it's a fun trip to take, even if you know what I mean. There are some pitfalls in it, and it doesn't. You know, the New Orleans stuff is really nice to look at for sure. I mean, yeah. all, all the cityscape stuff you really get to see it, especially as that city has changed uh, significantly. It's a nice uh, moment in time in the early '80s for New Orleans. There is definitely just, the most horny anyone in New Orleans has ever been depicted on screen. <laughs> Which is saying something. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, and I mean, like the spirit realm stuff. I think is just it's one of the more beautiful. Like, oh, I yeah. want Doom. Yeah, we to didn't look even like mention that. that a lot. That stuff was beautiful. Eh? It was like the big tree, like the the matte painting work that they did with the sand and the lighting and everything. It's Love beautiful. the shot of all the panthers just sitting on the yes. tree in the orange background. Yeah, it's. Yeah, you almost want to the movie to end there somehow, or somewhere like maybe the like John Hurd has to go there and fight McDowell in the fucking (laughs) spirit realm, some horrible ending. But like it because it's just so beautiful and so specific to this movie that I've not you know what I mean. Like really, I'm not. It's one of the more beautiful like kind of uh, you know call it space planety stuff that I've seen. Yeah, Uh, it's got a very like mystical myth feel too to it that I like. Exactly. And, and this movie writes a big check and it does almost cashes it. It's and McDowell's fantastic and Kinski's good and Hurd's heard. It's 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 definitely not my last time seeing this movie for sure, but it'll be right. it'll definitely be in a couple of years for sure. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, I think that will wrap it up for uh, cat people. We are going to be right back and we're going to be talking about the hidden. Wow. didn't really prepare you for this, did it? The Hidden. You think it's over now. You're wrong. All right, we are back, and we are talking The Hidden, the 1987 American science fiction horror film directed by uh, Jack uh, Shoulder. And uh, starring Kyle MacLachlan, Michael uh, Nuri in the lead role, and I was also glad to see uh, Chris Chris Mulkey make a uh, <laughs> a uh, kind of short-lived uh, <laughs> uh, cameo. But it was awesome to see him and Kyle, who obviously both went on to be in Twin Peaks, kind of both doing something together here. And uh, this movie is fucking crazy. Crazy. <laughs> um, did you hear? I want to just say this. What did you did you guys uh, like the first time you saw this? If Josh, is this the first time you saw this? 
This was my first time watching. Okay. I when 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 Steven gave it to me, I was like, "Oh, what is this? This looks cool." Yeah, and um, I I went in completely blank, so I didn't even know. I didn't read that. anyone on it. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it was just every little surprise was just such a treat. I, and I was watching it with my my buddy Joel because I'm staying there right now, and he was just endlessly going, "What the fuck? What the fuck?" Like just, <laughs> after every little twist uh, was revealed, it was just it was so much fun. I yeah. had a blast with. I this. will. S- I will say uh, for any, for listeners who are uninitiated, just stop right now and watch the hidden, and then come back because yeah. it it that's the experience. Because yeah, again, I, I was watch, I was just waiting for a stream to start, and it was like, here's a cool movie, The Hidden, and I was like, I have no idea what this movie is. I was like, ooh, Colin McLaughlin, I'm in, right. and it is so fucking wild, <laughs> especially the Chris Mulkey beginning. You're like, what in the fuck am i watching and yes it yeah. usually movies pedal like to the metal literally yeah. like in the first minute of the movie <laughs> and i mean yeah, the dude. movie actually doesn't fall off a cliff after that because usually you're shooting yourself in the foot when you do something like that right like yeah. this huge uh, opening set yeah. piece it's like okay. doing the kind of set piece that you can't top yeah yes but no it, it goes and it goes that it keeps going yeah the energy yeah, is well, and, and i, I love too that it has yeah, it has a very propulsive pace to it. It's, it's actually what's so interesting is we were just kind of complaining a little bit anyway that, yeah. you know, that um, Schrader's Cat People kind of turns into a set piece machine. And that's yeah. because I think the movie uh, flirts with being an idea movie. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. This movie is a full on set piece machine. And the few ideas that kind of come up in the periphery and the subtext are just kind of like, you're like, nice. They just add a little <laughs> bit of extra quality yeah. to you. But for the most part, this movie just really wants to get you engaged in the sequences. And you know that right off the bat when it opens on just like this very uh, like sort of mournful, ominous synth over this sort of security camera footage. And it's holding on just, you know, these civilians hanging out in a bank and you're kind of like, I wonder, you know, like kind of what's going on here. You see one dude pull up and just stand in the middle and you're kind of like, oh, what's what's that guy doing? And that's the kind of sort of thought process this film gets you in where it's like it slowly doles out information over the course of the movie. But its favorite trick is to just drop you into something absurd <laughs> yeah. and just have you react to that. And when that dude in the security cam footage just pulled out a shotgun and started massacring people, smiling at the camera and blasting the camera lens and walking out the front into his Ferrari where he just goes Grand Theft Auto mode and starts <laughs> Plays heavy metal. everything. Pl- blasting metal, running <laughs> from the cops. Um, oh incredible God. like dollies and POV life. shots like attached to the car's hoods and tires as you know he's like running over a dude in a wheelchair oh my and God. the dude's like smashing into like that's when, fucking that's when me and my windshield. buddy we found a gem when he hit the guy that's in the wheelchair I was like this is gonna be a good movie that is when the movie that's like the movie like that's the opening statement of the movie is like you will believe we will run a man over in a wheelchair it's like, yes. I believe it, 90 Amy. seconds into the movie <laughs> And I mean, like, this, oh, that's man. the cool, and there's no sci-fi, you know, it's not like even The Thing, which this movie obviously has seen, uh, you know what I mean? Like, we, we know, you know, you have that first shot of, like, you see space, and, like, you're, you're letting the audience know that this is some kind of science fiction film. Right. You have no idea, I mean, again, if you're, I mean, obviously, if you're in the theater, you probably read the description, but, like, you have no idea what this movie is when you just sort of find it and it yep. doesn't seem sci-fi and until it is, but you do find out that this alien loves to rock. And I love <laughs> that detail about this alien because it, 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 it gives you so much diegetic music that just fucking rules. 
Well, that that's something yeah. I wanted to to say in this uh, this first chase sequence here. I love the way that they only show you or let let you listen to the metal when you're inside the car with him. So mm-hmm. it'll go from metal when he's just rocking and whatever, and then as soon as it's outside and they're like spinning around a corner or something, it's just the screeches of the car, and then it shoots yeah. you back into the metal sequence. So it's just you keep like going in and out of the uh, the alien's headspace a little bit. It's yes. just like that higher energy octane craziness, and then. Uh, like what's happening on the outside of that? Oh yeah, and and the 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 Hollywood location work is fucking sick. Oh yes. my um, god, it's so good. As he's driving around, like running people over and getting blood all over his windshield, just vibing out. And the 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 emphasis in the sequence is purely on just like the destruction. It's the shotgun blast. <laughs> yes. It's the windshield shattering. It's the black smoke of the car that's just exploded as they you know do this kind of um they they do this maneuver to try to trap him that he kind of just drives right through and they keep shooting at him. But like you know nothing is stopping him. And I love Short that. Short of the, literally the car exploding and throwing him. You know. Yeah. They shoot shotguns directly into his chest that don't do anything to him. Like, this dude is, like, full-on, like, Terminator mode. And I love that because you're dropped into sort of just the absurd confusion of, like, the ways, obviously, that these, you know, these cops would be reacting to seeing what they're seeing and the way that it builds in, like, sort of like very short um you know second long images of just like the intensity building as he's slowly approaching and they're like what the fuck is going on <laughs> yeah. and like you know it, it, it's it's very it's really really well done uh very sturdily done action but also just really well doled out like suspense sequencing and stuff like that as yeah. well and literally it drops you into this and you're just like holy fuck what's going on and like it, it's 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 such a fuck you opening <laughs> and all the carnage is a perfect introduction to what's to come because I love that they've basically designed this alien to just take on a barrage of bullets before it has to transfer to another body so it just gives the movie an automatic excuse to be as crazy as possible there's just so many uh, squib work and and like bodies exploding and just craziness like that and it's and yeah it's did, do you know what, do you know what it reminded me of <laughs> it what? reminded me of one of my our, our favorite moments that we had when we were watching a movie for this show which was watching this movie called Dead Heat, oh, which hell any yeah. longtime listeners this is might what it remember. Me and there, of. Yeah. There is the, there's an incredible thing that I will never forget in that movie where the premise <laughs> is obviously is that it, it you know it's the these cops who find them this buddy cop film that these like literally it's a Shane a brother of Shane Black script. It's literally a Shane Black movie, but yeah. like the two guys find themselves in kind of like a, a reanimated sort of zombie conspiracy movie. And at one point a dude at this point he is a zombie cop yes he finds another zombie henchman and they both like unload assault rifles into each other and you're just watching two zombies shred each other gore everywhere squibs everywhere because they can't both of them are still standing (laughs) they can't die so it's just two guys with uzis going at each other yeah just literally shooting into each other it's unlimited bullets and that's one of my favorite Yes. It's one of my favorite, like, sort of, like, 80s action meets, you know, cross-genre kind of stuff that's taking place in that film. And I, I will never forget watching that scene. And this is the only movie I've seen since that that gave me that same kind of reaction on, Agreed. like... Where where it's like it's doing something that's kind of body snatchers esque, as Jamie kind of hinted at with the alien stuff. It's doing right. something, some of the sort of like lean action sequencing of it, where you're kind of dealing with this unstoppable force, reminds you of something 
like Terminator. But I also thought of like, what's that Dolph Lundgren movie where he's I come uh, in peace. chasing the alien down? Yes. I come in peace where <laughs> yes. the dude, the alien shoots like CDs yes. Yes. Uh, with, 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 with Kyle in it and the way that it's kind of done as this procedural. It reminded me a little bit of something almost like X-Files. Yeah. Like um, it's got a little bit of like something like Carpenter's They Live in it. And mm-hmm. the fact that I can compare it to like all of these all different of these. things. Yeah. At, at the, the same time, and it never like lives any of this stuff down. It's, and it's got uh, a little it bit was of, fantastic, and it's kind of got uh, the ending. Not to spoil it, we'll get to there. The it's got kind of got the end of the dead zone, uh, and I, I hate this mm. expression on steroids because it, kind <laughs> of, <laughs> uh, it does. It goes there. I think that uh, and you're right, uh, Josh, when you compare this to Grand Theft Auto, because I kind of think and it, the movie doesn't explore this that much because it wasn't really uh, it wasn't a thing then, but it is. That's what the alien is doing. The alien is literally just playing yep. Grand Theft Auto. Like he's like, I'm just going to get in this body. <laughs> I don't care. Exactly. I don't care. I'm going to get a bunch of money. I'm going to run over a bunch of people. And I'm when I get die, a I'm going to fucking respawn. So it's fine. You know what I mean? Like there's no yep. consequence yeah. for me. That, that, yeah. That's what I was saying when I said that, like, again, this is like a, a, a very uh, effectively made set piece machine, but there are some things on the periphery. And I, I did pick up kind of like a satirical thread there from the alien where, you know, this guy, this alien, this body snatching alien comes to Earth as like, you know, this pure destructive force in the filmmaking. But it's a destructive force of like very American uh, consumption. Yes. It's literally just overdosing on American culture. It's the fast cars, yeah. loud music, cheap sex shiny clothes it's like i can't get enough i can't get it all and, and <laughs> basically any time man <laughs> yeah he's, he's 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 robbing record stores to get you know some of his favorite 80s metal uh hair metal specifically yeah like up until um, the murder i was cheering for the alien in a way i'm like this <laughs> yeah, guy knows yeah. a party bro <laughs> Oh, that, that that scene where he steals, he walks up to the, and again, the way that they, you know, again, sequence this out, I think is part of the genius of it. But like when the alien goes there to go just steal a Ferrari, like <laughs> you would think that, that would be a scene where he would just walk in, he would steal the Ferrari. Yeah. But no, it's this long drawn out thing where he's like, I want this car. And like this coked out dude who's trying to buy the Ferrari is like, nah, dude, that's my fucking car. Don't touch that car. And then he's doing cocaine out of a little miniature yes, model car, car that's dealer. sitting on the Ferrari car dealer's desk. <laughs> and he walks in, he gets the keys. And after getting the keys, he just blasts these two dudes away. And again, it's just, it's, it's a scene where like, it's really only adds like 60 seconds to the movie, but you're like that choice to really be like, no, this alien wants to cause destruction. This alien, alien is attracted to the shiny things and we want you to fully get <laughs> you know in, invested in that and i think that that kind of stuff is what ended up you know taking the movie to the next level for me especially and I, um while while you're watching again most of the stuff that he's doing is being turned into to uh sort of like set piece sequencing like when you see the first the first uh transfer from body to body oof. which is like straight up fucking Cronenberg shit. Yes. It's horrifying. Uh, it's like this uh, stop motion, slimy slug animation where uh, it, it goes out of. It, it I don't looks, know what it, it was. Looks it looks so it, good. It does. I, I, I don't know if that's what that is because it's so close to human flesh. It's, yeah. It's probably one of the better dummies or maybe like they filmed it where it's not a dummy until it is. And maybe that transfer is really quick sure. and easy. But it's a Stuart Gordon. It was yeah. fantastic. <laughs> school of uh, 
getting that shit done. Yeah, no, but it, it looks incredible when his mouth just opens wide and this big ass slug alien just, you know, comes out of the one dude's mouth and goes into the other dude's mouth. And, you know, it's how he, you know, it's how the monster changes uh, bodies, like body horror yeah. style. And, and, I, and again, it opens that up to you in like the first like 10 or 15 minutes. And you're still kind of unsure what this movie is uh, <laughs> no. uh, about at that point. <laughs> and it's, it's not. And you're what, even more confused. <laughs> what I love is all of the great performances by the people who are the alien. Like, it's not like. Uh, something yes, like that. they're so good. It's not Consistent like that movie fallen where it's like, oh, anybody could be the alien. Like, no, that alien acts a really specific way. And you yeah. know who the alien is immediately. And. It's there. It's so big. Like Mulkey's fantastic. This the next guy who gets it is this man. Uh, this dude, uh, uh, William William Boyette. The, he's the heavy guy who mm-hmm. is my favorite. This is the guy that goes into the record store and beats the dude to death. And it's just like he wants to party. He wants to fuck. <laughs> he wants to have a great time. And you can see it all over this dumb alien's face. <laughs> yeah. And I also like speaking of like how they how they act. Um, I did like the way that that Kyle uh, McLaughlin is is acting as as those aliens because it ends up being revealed that he is one in a sense. He's kind of like hunting the one down. I love um, how subtle that reveal is, though, yes, because yeah. in the early scenes when he first shows up as the FBI agent, he's just an FBI agent and he's a little socially awkward. Like he, yeah, he, yeah. he takes a little bit too long to reply in a way that shows that, you know, he, he's, you know, he's not like this kind of uh, the the alpha cop that, right. uh, you know, Michael Nuri is playing Tom Beck. Kyle's Lloyd Gallagher, the FBI agent, um, is very uh, just, you know, again, he's not as like flat as the actual the 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 performers who have to play like the destructive alien mm-hmm. um like they you can immediately recognize that there's something incredibly inhuman in a way and it feels like they stole that for the premise of men in black yeah yeah, <laughs> like, yeah for sure the whole um, i'm walking around and i'm wearing a body as a skin suit kind of a thing yeah like like that's the kind of way that he delivers the performance and then yes. but for, for for kyle it's very just like you know again just very subtle social awkwardness and like weird choices Choices of wording and you know just just things that you you know you wouldn't pick up on as oh that guy's an alien so by the time it's revealed that he's an alien i was like a little like oh <laughs> yeah it is and watching it the second time you see it the whole time like oh yeah he's obviously an alien and like why does he have the ferrari and all this stuff like but it is it's the eight late 80s it's a buddy cop movie you've got your swinging dick detective and your stuff shirt fbi <laughs> i don't agent. do traffic tickets exactly <laughs> and you're like i know what this movie is until you don't know what this movie is yeah yeah yeah, and and that's such a great quality. Like that, that's that's something I feel like more movies need to be doing, which is just like dropping you into this, you know, crazy situation that they've clearly planned in advance, and just not feeling the need to explain yourself. Just yeah. like dropping you into a set piece and being comfortable with like, yeah, the audience is going to be saying what the fuck for like <laughs> an hour at right. least, but. That is an extremely, um, you know, rewarding quality by the time you do get to the even more absurd craziness <laughs> of you now seeing this at pieces and understanding. And honestly, it helps you get involved in the um, the character experience, because by the time that Michael Nuri, who plays the sort of a straight guy detective uh, yeah. to Kyle's more, uh, you know, uh, sci fi FBI agent, the um, by the time that Michael Nuri completely catches up with him and he knows what's happening and he believes what's happening. 
God, that moment is great. Yes. There's a, yeah. it, it's during that police station um, shootout, and there's this part where both of them walking side by side, an alien and a human, have just become official partners in this mission. And it's literally just like this great sort of like a bum de bum bum kind of score yeah, yeah. going as I, they both walk down the hallway through where the alien just shot a fucking rocket launcher yeah. through the police station. <laughs> I love the and way... And these two are just connected by it. It's great. I love the way that they had them uh, walk as well because it has... Has uh, Gallagher, who's like the alien that has this stuff figured out, he starts walking towards uh, him, and then Beck starts to join him. Which I just like that visual representation yes. of like, okay, I'm on board, and let's fucking take down these aliens. <laughs> and he gives him his yeah. silly uh, laser gun too. Like he really believes right. at this point. And and also, by the way, the movie's almost over at that point. Like we've had, yeah, like yeah. that's what's crazy. There's so much of this movie is like the mystery, the the mysterious uh, quality, the yeah. element of like all the various set pieces as it changes bodies. Because you said that it changed into the one guy who grabs the Ferrari, yeah. but then it changes into the stripper. Yes. <laughs> at the strip club. Oh, yes. I thought she was great too. She's really good, <laughs> and it's so awesome to watch her, like, because she's still in like the stripper getup and everything, and just to have her with like her powerful assault rifles and huge yes. ass shotguns that she just starts blowing people away with. It's it's quite an image <laughs> yeah, and it was claudia christian who i read was in uh, babylon 5 which apparently okay <laughs> i have i haven't seen that but i've heard of that and apparently this was like a big reason was that you know she was like i've done sci-fi look at this oh, <laughs> I, yeah. I honestly feel like i not that i'm going to sci-fi conventions but if i did i would be the one guy i'd be like i have no idea what babylon 5 is but the hidden rules <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You, sir. <laughs> can you sign my poster of the hidden <laughs> There's, I mean, and that's what's so great about the movie is it does sort of change every time the alien changes. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it, yep. it, it moves with that. It's like, like it, when it, it becomes it, a dog. Yeah, the, the dog is fantastic. The dog reveal was it literally had me laughing <laughs> yes. like a maniac. That shot of the dog looking just very uh, ominously in the mirror, <laughs> and I was like, this dog is giving one of the best the, performances as the alien the that action I've seen. set piece with the dog very short lived but amazing where he <gasps> literally jumps through the fucking window tackles the guy into the refrigerator knocks him out and then takes over his body it's just like what am I watching what am I watching right now it's fantastic <laughs> It just it's set and it is it's really set piece after set piece. There is some like you know like we get. Uh, I mean, it's so funny that uh, Chris uh, Michael Nori turned down, at least if if you believe him, turned down the Martin Riggs character for this in Lethal Weapon. I believe they're the same year, and there's a lot of similarities. Like he goes back, you know the. Uh, he gets brought, uh, Kyle McLaughlin gets brought to his family, has to meet that and like looks at, you know, yeah, he, he's, right. he's lost, he's lost his own family and like is feeling all that stuff. But again, alien, he's still kind of you know? weird and alien like about it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the dinner scene is the most Nanu Nanu he gets where he's like, <laughs> like he doesn't know how to hold forks and he's just sort of <laughs> right. shoving food into his mouth. It's really something. He, yeah. He, he, he name drops like a star that he's from like yes. in that scene right. at one yes. point. It's like, it, it's, it, it's like the first hints that you start to get that this guy is like not all there, but you think he's just kind of like weird. You're not like a hundred percent certain. And especially too, when he's just like, uh, you have a very special like kid or whatever. And the, the, the mother is like, uh, thank you. And he's just like, you, he's, he's like, you love her. 
Sure. And, it, and, and I love Michael Nuri's response, which is just like, she's our daughter. <laughs> it is, yeah, yeah. We, we yes. love our daughter. We okay. love her. Yes. I think Kyle McLaughlin is like really, really good in this. Like it's, it's a weird, and just to think that he did Dune, Blue Velvet, and then this is kind of a yeah. Those, that that dude was on fire in the in the mid '80s, man. He did, he had it, and it's it, there's got like it's it's really easy to do this poorly. I think you know what I mean. But yeah. he when he's talking about his dead family, you do sort of feel something which actually matters for the ending of the movie, which is also insane. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, and, 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 and it, it predates that kind of like uh, sort of like a surreal kind of cop movie kind of performance that he eventually does give and especially the later Twin Peaks stuff as well, yes. which is crazy. Like I was watching this thinking like, man, I'm so used to Kyle MacLachlan and like, you know, he, especially in, you know, the, the return for, for Twin Peaks, he gets to do some really, really crazy stuff performance wise some of it's here yeah uh, you could yeah. you could see it you could see you know the kind of qualities that they they wanted to get um out of him and yeah it's a very uh, a performance that kind of makes or breaks the movie honestly is how much one you emotionally uh care about this this uh this alien who is pretending to be an fbi agent um and two that he doesn't you know uh reveal the act too soon or that he doesn't you know yeah. that that he he kind of plays it like you know so there's an alien who's comes here and just wants to be a pure destructive force and there's another one who actually wants to try to blend in even if uh you know he doesn't do it particularly well and walking that line of like trying to but not is uh something he does for basically the entire film right from the very first scene i can't wait to rewatch this like knowing what i know about the movie (laughs) it also helps with the kind of like more more cliche boring cop procedural stuff that is in this where it's like we don't get along uh you know i'm partnered up with a guy i don't want to be that whole thing i was kind of bored at at, at least a little bit in some of the like i would say the first half hour of those procedural scenes but then as the alien stuff starts to ramp up especially with uh, kyle i thought uh i was more intrigued and and you know a little less bored and and to be honest even those scenes those sequences with the general cop stuff they're really short and they get right yes. back to the interesting alien stuff like right away so it really doesn't well, yeah, and, and, that much and and the way too that they kind of play up that he has more information than nuri does and you're yeah. kind of unsure like Why? how it is that he has that information and right. like when he's just like you know so this this guy just went on a killing spree and we you know we found your guy your guy is gone and obviously Kyle already knows that this is an alien who's changing bodies, but he can't really say that to this cop because no one would fucking believe him. Um, So it's very interesting watching him go like, now I'm looking for this guy. And then it turns out that that guy just did the massacre in the record store. And and, and, and Kyle's already there on the scene interviewing the witnesses before like Nuri's even showed up and stuff like that. Like there's a couple, uh, you know, sort of like neat little ways again that they sort of dish out information in those scenes. But you're right that they are playing in like a, you know, a a more kind of cliche mold. They're, They're just trying to slightly hint at more mysterious ominous qualities kind of like in the periphery of those scenes and then once they start like kind of getting together and they both do like that big sort of like middle of the movie um set piece where they're chasing down the alien who is now in the stripper's body and that 
stuff honestly yeah. was you know some of the some crazy shit in in terms of the action um as as well like i loved when it just turns into like the rooftop shootout and there's yeah. these really great like sort of like uh dollies and pans around as um kyle is you know slowly investigating and looking kind of like back and forth trying to locate where this uh alien is and then when they actually start like blasting it away you know it's like really really big squib work yeah. as oh, this yeah. alien his body is just being shredded and there was something at a certain point that got creepy to me about this idea of this this alien killing you and using your body and then again the emphasis on destruction is so perfect because then it then yep. it just destroys that body yeah, yeah it rises right into the, the ground yeah and, and that, that actually kind of like freaked me out a little bit yes. yeah <laughs> and also my favorite just, oh, sorry my favorite part of the uh and i do agree like the 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 movie has like this great opening scene, uh, a good scene in the record store, and like they're peppered. Uh, but that that when once we get to the strip club, it really it really shifts. But my favorite bit of table setting is when Richard, the great uh, Law and Order's great Richard Brooks, shows up in the police station. Like, hey guys, look a flamethrower! I'm like, <laughs> I, it's yes. just uh, Chekhov's flamethrower is fantastic yep. in this. Where it's, it's just got like, everything. Hey, yes, we just picked this. That up. actually, that actually like <laughs> melted my brain a little bit when it came back. I was like, I was like, what does he have in that case? Uh -huh. And then exactly. as soon as I saw it, I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's so worth worth it. Uh, but yeah, oh, like, yeah. I, I do I do love the man and and the mannequin stuff. Obviously, it's they they go pretty. Oh yeah, obviously the exploding heads on the mannequins. Yeah, a mannequin great. factory and like that's kind of you know that's what we're <laughs> saying about bodies. They're just like I don't know these husks that kind of house yep. people in them. You know what I mean? And like it is yep. creepy to your point to have something that has no stake in the body. You know what I mean? Like the body is just literally a vehicle to run into the ground and buy a new one when you're done with it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you, 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 you sort of, uh, get sequences then in between that of, you know, using the body as this, you know, this tool. And then you get, you know, scenes of like Kyle looking in the mirror and touching his face and looking at the photos of, yeah. you know, the family. And, you know, you get this idea of like, you know, could it, could it mean more that I am in this body? Could I do something good while I'm here? And that ends up actually paying off. Cause I was, I was kind of surprised. I thought it was going to end in the, you know, the big action set piece, but it actually does kind of have a dramatic ending as well to it that I was, uh, you know, uh, su surprised about. Yeah. So this, this movie was a, was a big surprise and it kind of delivered on more fronts than I expected to while also just being a huge, like what the fuck set piece machine. That's really, really well done again, very sturdy economically, shot uh action scenes that that hit just as you know well in terms of you know the, the the squibs and the nastiness and the sort of like the simple way that the shots are framed and sort of stitched together it's all done in like you know the kind of way that you would you know of the best of the 80s stuff that you would hope to see right. and i think that, that that's jack shoulders kind of calling card a little bit i mean like you know nightmare part two is really those you know the action stuff in that not action but the action horror bits of nightmare two on top of all of the Very other stuff, solid, yeah. all the other stuff going on in Nightmare Two, uh, which makes <laughs> Nightmare Two amazing, and uh, but all that's there. Wishmaster Two, the carnage in mm. Wishmaster Two is really fun. If you if you haven't gone there, I it just yet, it's, no. I haven't. I need to watch that. Wishmaster so I've always wanted to check out. So the but the first two are really solid in terms, and I don't think Shoulder didn't do the first one. I forget who did the first one, but uh, uh, Kurtzman. Yes, and both of them have like. And they're not good, but they're very solid in terms of getting you what you want uh, in the Halloween season. But the I mean, again, there you go. 
I was just gonna ask. So Shoulder is really known for these like like the kind of body carnage in a way because I know that even in Nightmare Two you have that you know that famous sequence of Freddy coming out of the teenager's body. Yeah, and that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, I guess he he must be known for that. Yeah, I think I, I've but only I'm, seen the, that other film from him. I'm not sure if I've seen anything else. No, I've only seen a few. I, I want to. I want to watch that uh, Alone in the Dark. Oh right, I do want to see that too <laughs> with, Don, with, with, with Donald Pleasance. That kind of looks like a slasher, but um, hard, hard to you know. I'd be, I'd be curious about it anyway. I'm putting that on my list uh, for this October. I always make a list of horror movies <laughs> to watch, and that yeah. sounds. I'm looking for the reason. <laughs> but uh, speaking of that, the the ending here when um, when he kind of transfers into Beck's body, I I was at first thinking that it was going to turn into this very uh, almost it, completely optimistic and positive thing where he had the power to almost give his life energy to Beck, and that yes. and I thought his body was just kind of like that's it, and Beck will be back. But I just loved that added little almost like kind of dark twist in a way where it ends up just he's going to take over Beck's body so that his family doesn't have to grieve. And and that is, uh, like, you know, it, it's nice that he's he's feeling like he can help uh, the human beings in, in, in a sense, but there's a real darkness to, like, the girl looking at her father and not yes. recognizing him and just kind of accepting it by the end. Yeah, uh, she knows for sure that yeah. something is up, which is kind right. of fascinating. And it's 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 a really powerful kind of cool end. And you know, you know, yeah. uh, McLaughlin's dead on the floor. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a really really wild ending to a very wild film. Yeah, and I I, I was surprised that they went uh, that they ended it on that kind of a note. It, it, yes. it was kind of there's a there's a sadness. There's a kind of a relief in a way, but there's mm-hmm. a darkness to it too. So well, he, yeah. he's, he's definitely doing like a very thoughtful kind of romantic gesture, but his right. way of doing it it's is like doing it in the, yeah, it's, it's alien and, and scary in the way that we've kind of seen throughout the rest of the film. And that's, what's kind of interesting is that mm-hmm. you kind of have to contrast the fact that, you know, um, this is kind of a movie about an alien who comes to earth and just decides to callously take human life because it doesn't matter and the bodies don't matter. And, you know, at one point he even says, you know, like we could, we could take this whole place over. Like there's nothing that could, that could stop us. He's trying to argue that, you know, the two aliens should team up and just dominate and they could, they have so much power that if they wanted to, they could. And so the fact that, you know, Kyle has that same power, and he chooses to do something more, you know, sort of grounded and graceful and, yeah. you know, emotional is something that separates him from from the from the other alien. And for the film, which, again, operates as this very destructively amazing set piece machine to have such kind of like a graceful but still, you know, thorny um as you noted, kind of yeah. ending to it, I think is, is really strong. It just, it really just elevates the film even further. Yeah. It um, hit me in a way I didn't expect in, in it. Cause I thought it was just going to be a very typical action ending. Like, you know, they, they decide that they're both going to be like cops and they're just going to like help <laughs> yes. each other do crack <laughs> cases or something, but it ended up being a lot thornier than I expected. So I, I really appreciated that. Because everything has been yeah. so big, and <laughs> right. you know, and and like I do think the dinner scene, which is the only scene where you kind of get the internality of Kyle MacLachlan's character, is effective. And again, like you know, when it, when the movie decides to end that way, 
it's both fitting and but very surprising. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you don't. It, it it could just be your classic. I'm you know I'm getting too old for this shit situation. <laughs> uh, but they don't want to do that because they want to sort of. Again, this movie does have some aspirations about talking about what it is to sort of be a presence inside of a body and yeah. what that means and what 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 it means to lose a body. You know what I mean? Like when you know the, the yeah. family would lose this person and they're going to lose this person no matter what because that dude is dead but now they yep. get this husk of weird Kyle McLaughlin I mean I guess maybe he'll settle in better but like we need a sitcom dude- where he plays the father <laughs> <laughs> that dude was not knocking, well, yeah, out of the, knocking it out of the park well, well, in the human department so I feel like he's not going to do so in uh, Michael Nuri's body either <laughs> yeah. what, what you need to do uh, Jamie is eventually get around to Twin Peaks so that you can see uh, Dougie Jones because Twin Peaks the return is exactly what you're asking for oh, yes. nice. um, it, it, it is literally there. like the fam the, the family sitcom version of like Kyle is like uh, basically <laughs> you know kind of like this alien who doesn't understand anyone and has taken over the fatherly role of a family he previously was not a part of literally Excellent. that exact thing is what the, the majority of the new season was Holy shit. so when you eventually get around to that you will see that it's basically a sequel to the hidden hell um, yeah you sold it to me even <laughs> further somehow <laughs> but yeah the, but and i think that that stuff's really important because they, they kind of lay out these sort of like smaller sort of like domestic qualities and it's such you know an intentional contradiction to the very you know to the point of parody uh, absurdly huge destructive sequences that eventually take place because again we talked about the one with the stripper on on the rooftop where you get like Beck kind of like hanging off and like this beautiful uh, sort of like wide shot you get the stripper eventually uh, it, because she's like I'm not coming out yet I'll kill you first and she like front flips <laughs> through the neon sign to yes. her death that's when like the dog takes over um, the body and you can see Kyle getting so exasperated that they're like, <laughs> like I literally wasn't looking at that body for like the 15 seconds it took me to like run down these stairs and it has already <laughs> yeah. changed over into this dog and i love to that small detail of the 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 like uh the paramedic or the whoever the coroner guy <laughs> arriving and being like hey look it's none of my business guys but this lady had 15 bullet holes <laughs> you guys really love making my job like uh miserable um and either way it, it ends up like continuing going on where they they you know he transfers into this dog uh and great sequence of this dog acting as an alien uh, one of the best performances as the alien in the movie somehow um so good the dog takes over this other dude who makes his way into the police station and the hidden gets to join the uh uh, the ranks of best action set pieces that take place inside of a police oh, station, man. which is how it, you oh, know yeah. it's directly referencing Terminator. Um, <laughs> it just yeah. when uh, he just rolls through this thing with a shotgun. He's got a rocket. Yeah. Lo- he's, he's armed to the teeth. <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. Uh, it, he, he steals the laser gun at one point, and then he gets it stolen away from him. And he's just killing people that, and it's, it is so and they're wild average because, looking cause they're just taking over like cop bodies and stuff. So yes. it's just awesome to see them in like a suit, like in the FBI badge, but they have RPGs and all this weapon. It's just, <laughs> it's not like the Terminator where you see a big Arnie and he's in a leather jacket and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's just, it's almost comical. It is, and like uh, 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 apparently they floated getting the Michael Nori character as like a big '80s action star, like someone like. Oh, Arnold. really? I don't know that the movie would have worked in that. Way. I don't think so either. No. 
Uh, you you, you kind of needed like kind of like this this like every man kind of thing to experience this absurdity of the things that are happening around him. But yeah, yeah. When, when he goes in and he just like grabs, uh, you know, an assault rifle, he grabs a rocket launcher, he grabs a grenade. <laughs> And he comes out and he's just like, you know, where's the where, where's the alien gun? Like, you're going to take take me to the to the alien prisoner. I'm going to go. Uh, got unfinished business with this guy. And he just he literally starts just like gunning cops down like left and right and just destroying them again. Every single yeah. gunshot in this huge impact, huge. huge squib, blood smears all over the wall like they, they could not make this as you know, destructive to the human body. Yeah. It's pure uh, carnage. If, if they tried, they could not do it more. Um, so <laughs> you can tell that that's very intensely the focus, um, of this movie, which is a, you know, a, again, a direct counterpoint to the more emotional, uh, qualities you eventually see in some of the domestic scenes and later on in the film. But I love that those two things like clash up against each other in ways that you feel like they would, you know, sort of, um, uh, you know, it, it could be seen as like kind of like a negative thing or it could yeah, be seen as right. something where it's like, you know, inconsistent. Um, but, but for me, it's like, it's showing you two opposing modes of thinking yeah. about humans. Um, and, and yeah, you, you just, you know, one is a very callous and entertaining version yeah. of the human body as this, uh, decorative art piece meant to be sprayed <laughs> all over the walls. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think that that, that police sequence is just so sick. Everything is being destroyed. Uh, Danny Trejo is there for like two <laughs> seconds to say, Hey, what's up with you? Hippie dude. Or whatever. <laughs> and he gets blown away, obviously. And, the weird political part at the end is sort of, it makes some sense. It is a little out I of kinda, Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a little like the movie maybe doesn't completely earn it, but no. I, I did like this idea of this, like this very, um, again, sort of materialistic consumerist way of thinking. The end goal is, I'm fucking president, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't hate that idea. <laughs> And like it's it's you know you're doing the Lamentarian candidate one of one of the cops another cop gets it and gets out and tries to kill uh, the senator and this is another great set piece where we're going through this going through this hotel you watch the Secret Service have to you know shuttle him and of course it's a New Line movie so Lynn Shea is involved I kept thinking she was going to be the hidden at some point and I was kind of disappointed that she wasn't. <laughs> mm. Uh, but yeah, he, he, they, 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 they shuttled them into a closet and more shootout stuff. This is when Michael Nori kind of gets it. Um, and it's, it's effective cause you don't, you kind of like Nori gets shot earlier in the film too. So we're kind of setting up that he is definitely vulnerable and his family is in danger. And, I just kind of well, yeah, it, it mirrors that moment too, where he very uh, he he kind of he looks at Kyle at one point during that uh, police station shootout, and he's kind of freaked out by the fact that you know this whole time he's also been working with an alien because that's where that is revealed to him in, yeah. in the plot, and he says, you know, what the hell are you? And Kyle just gives him this blank stare, and the my, the follow up question is so good. It's, do you feel pain? And he says, yeah. And just a very flat, yeah, I do. And then that's such a good mirrored moment to when Kyle has to watch him take the gut shots and yes. die. Where you're just like, yeah, like that, you know, this is a uh, part of being a uh, 
a a person relating to a person is watching someone else you know experience pain right in front of your eyes and stuff like that and again it's it's just stuff that's like laid out in like a single moment between two actors or a single line of dialogue it's, yeah it sounds like just very simple stuff but it's the kind of stuff that a lot of movies honestly forget to do in between their action set pieces <laughs> and right, it's surprising right. to watch one of the buddy cops die you know what i mean Re- like you know yeah, if a buddy never cop happens <laughs> If a buddy cop movie happens, one of them gets shot in the shoulder and then he's in the hospital. It's like, you're going to be okay, buddy. And you kind of expect that from this movie specifically because it's working in that mold. But again, this movie just just really wants to surprise you at every turn and it really does. Yeah, which is why that ending once again works so well, I think. Uh, and yeah, you know, he was. Yeah, the, well, the, oh, you go. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, like, well, that that is what leads to because that is what eventually like really gets, you know, essentially under uh, Kyle's character's skin is that he just watched, um, you know, this this dude who, you know, he thinks is kind of like this this noble person who's trying to do the the right thing and trying to help him. And the one person who actually believes that he, he is this alien on an intergalactic chase, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, movie. And um, when the alien eventually takes over the senator's body, which was, you know, kind of like this crazy moment where, you know, they're they're interviewing him and he's like, I'd like to be president. And he's (laughs) licking his lips and you're like, oh, fucking what? (laughs) And (laughs) and then you just get this incredible sequence of Kyle, who's, you know, very, you know, uh, distressed about you know the the death of you know this his 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 partner his partner again um as he's slow-mo running at the senator he's taking shots from the cops and the security squibs are blowing up like his elbows and his shoulders as he's hurled like hurtling himself towards the senator then the alien senator pulls out a gun <laughs> and starts shooting at him. And you're kind of like, no one thought anything was weird when like that happened. And Kyle is running at him again with this like briefcase. Yes. <laughs> and when he drops that briefcase on the ground, he opens it up and it's the fucking flamethrower that the they picked off apparently off ever. a random. Yeah. They picked it up off a random dude on the street. It's a small line of, of, of dialogue yeah. earlier in the film where the, where that, that Steve mentioned where like the, the, the cop just like, is like, yeah, what do you think of this? This is kind of quirky. <laughs> we found this on the streets it's a of pro- LA. It's a propane tank with a handle. This thing is so weird looking. I love it. Yeah, it is. Yes. And dude, he just in full slow-mo lights the senator up. Uh, he oh is yeah. on fire. His skin is charred as the fucking uh, slug is coming out. Kyle is like straight up wielding it like uh, fucking, what was the character that Leo was playing once upon a time in Hollywood? Oh, uh, With uh, the, uh, Rick in, Dalton. In, in, yes. in the, Oh yeah. Yes, but in the in the in, in the actual though, movie, he's in in the movie oh, yes. <laughs> where he's burning up all the Nazis and stuff. That's exactly what Kyle is, doing. and it's just not. You know, you're watching a buddy cop movie, you're watching a sci-fi movie. You don't think it's going to end with, with Kyle flamethrower. pulling out a giant flamethrower, shredding a senator, um, <laughs> and then the slug sliding out of the mouth, and he explodes it with his alien gun once it's out of the body, and like oh, God, man. what? My- I love the what late- a satisfying fucking like uh, set piece to kind of like conclude your movie on. Yeah, I love already the, crazy film. 
I love the one lady, like he burns the senator and everyone's like, oh shit, this is really bad. And everyone like, it's a room full of press. They all drop to the floor and they cut to this one woman like, hey, look. And the bug pulls out like, what is the headline the next day is my question. (laughs) Bug falls out of senator (laughs) who was burned to death. (laughs) And I feel like Kyle MacLachlan is still going to jail for the rest of his life for killing a senator, a bug or no bug, I feel. I don't know if they're going to believe the alien bit. I mean, it's a bit odd, but, you know. Be a hell of a court case to look into. <laughs> they, were, they were like, sometimes people got slugs in them, you know? Like, no, you can't kill them for that. <laughs> um... I, I love too. There's one brief moment um, when he's just, you know, lit the senator up, and he's, you know, his ch- body is burning in front of everyone's eyes. There's a brief shot. It's a close up of Kyle's face with literally like 30 guns in his face. Yeah, yeah right, of like yeah. every cop, every security guard, every single person in that room who has a gun is in his face. Like it, it's literally that John Wick poster <laughs> right, yeah. of all the guns around him. But it's yeah. Either way, that stuff is so good. And then like if the movie had ended there i would have been pretty satisfied which is kind of crazy because then it has this added sequence that we've already kind of talked about but again you know where where kyle sees that you know the the death of this partner is going to cause more pain and grief than just to him it's going to cause it to his family and seeing that and observing that he decides to that when he dies he transfers his life force into into him and uh he's gonna now take the place and you know relieve some of that pain rather than you know cause the destruction that the alien has been you know inflicting through everyone else and it's a it's a very sort of emotionally affecting kind of gesture and it's a very clearly laid out choice that he makes uh over the course of the film and seeing what he sees um and then just ending on that shot of them touching hands and uh, it's it's such a counterpoint to the inhumanity of the opening scene, which is literally has the distancing effect of you watching it on security cam footage of just a dude walking in and massacring people. It's like the exact opposite is a close up of just two hands touching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, definitely. It, it's, it's so again, this movie is strangely uh, affecting. It's smart. It's uh, very well done, and it is, you know, while doing that, a completely unpretentious and absurd yes. uh, <laughs> yeah, that, action movie in, in every way that you could hope. Uh, it's and, pure fun. Uh, honestly, yeah, like I, I was kind of blown away by this, like pivoting to reductive rating round. This is this honestly, I think is going to get the high four yeah. from me. Oh, I, yeah. I might even need to rewatch it because like I, I was uh, got to say very shocked by this, that a movie that has such like an absurd premise of like the thing or body snatchers meets like a cop drama. It has a very schlocky sci fi intergalactic chase movie, but it is handled with like the right amount of like absurd action beats and serious enough acting that you care about the people when they're massacred. Um, That's the thing. They are taking this movie seriously in a way. Yeah. There's, there's jokes, but they like the craft itself is, is yeah. It's it's not, it's not like dead heat, which is like a straight up parody of this kind of thing done in like a similar kind of genre. You don't have the comedian, uh, the the comedian cop like saying jokes about his ex-wife and all that shit. No, but what's what's strange is that normally you would think, you know, like if the movie is schlocky, like sometimes taking it seri- too seriously is a problem. Yeah. But the, the, the it, it, it takes it the perfect amount 
of serious just enough yes. that the drama actually works. Exactly. <laughs> which exactly. is which is like, you know, again, so to have to walk that line while also basically, you know, being this seamless, ridiculous action science fiction film done just with again solid suspense sequence, solid, sturdy action movie competence, a very propulsive pace to it that again opens on something so crazy that how could you top it the movie does top it in its final moments yeah which is uh, you know something that not every movie can pull off either so yeah and again it, it is all about two contrasting visions of people by two aliens one that loves hair metal and strip clubs <laughs> hell yeah and shredding everybody that it can find in in sight with crazy squibs and possessed dogs Sounds like a and cool insane guy. body horror. <laughs> he, he, he's a, he's a really cool guy, but uh, he very callously <laughs> just disregards yeah. the humanity of Besides everyone else murder. in his surroundings. Yeah, yeah, Besides yeah, yeah. the insane murder. Yeah. Other than that, he's cool though. Other than that, he's a rock and roller, man. Um, um, and, and yeah, and again, just the fact that it, you know, it somehow works its way around into you really watching this alien choose to give some semblance of life back to this human. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's both kind of creepy because the way that he does it is by literally taking over his body the same way we've watched the, honestly, yeah. what would have taken this to the next level is if he had to change bodies with the same slug way. And it was gross watching him transfer into the, yeah, instead of this like angelic golden beam. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, 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 that might've been even, you know, hammered home that complication even more, but, uh, with that, without <laughs> even that, it's still there. I'm imagining that, very, that very scene effective. now and it's just so much, it, it's almost better it really is because it's just like <laughs> you have that emotional side where he's just like okay well he's gone now and then to turn instead of the like you know glowing and beautiful beam of golden light it's just <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's, he's vomiting a space slug but it's like green instead of black and that's how you yeah. know it's the good yeah. one or whatever <laughs> it's like the yeah. lightsabers in star wars <laughs> yeah yeah, man, that would have been damn. unreal. But yeah, I'm right there with you. I think this is like the uh, the high four for me. Um, I was very close to the five, honestly. What what stopped me was mostly the the, the kind of stuff like in the first half hour where it's a very uh, just kind of general cop procedural thing where it's just like, oh, I'm being partnered up with someone I don't want to be partnered with, all that stuff. But I will say uh, having Kyle do his, his kind of alien acting um, throughout it does give a little bit of an extra intrigue. I just... It was stopping me from giving it that, like, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Because all the action sequences are just insane. There's so much carnage, so many squibs. The the body is just being torn apart in, in every single action sequence. And uh, um, I, I'm not sure if the, the cop procedural parts quite get there uh with with the with the dialogue but it's it's still very intriguing and as it proceeds it gets more and more alien so uh i was definitely more interested as it goes on when it came to the cops but uh yeah that being said i think the uh the thorniness of the ending is really cool too and interesting i didn't expect that and um yeah this was just it's a wild ride check it out and try to go into it Blank. I guess if you're already listening to this, you've heard everything. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, th- going in blank, I think, is just the best way to do this because there's so many fun surprises that that happen when you think it's just going to be kind of a, a buddy cop film and it turns into something way weirder. So yeah, four out of five for now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right there. I think it's it, it, it's one of the more surprising movies that I've seen in a long time. And, I, you know, just not, especially being made in that reductive 
time of just like we make we churn out these buddy cop movies all the time and i think what makes it what makes the emotion work at the end is not only the performances and not only all the other stuff going on but there's no one liners you know what i mean yeah. like the, and there there's so yeah. much room for them at any given <laughs> yes. time and i keep i keep expecting Kyle to have one at the end when he burns the senator up or what you know any of those it could be there and it would actually ruin the movie a little bit and they don't do yeah. that there's a real sensitivity between McLaughlin and Nori, which again, it's, you know, they're both dudes and it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of masculinity, but it's not, but you know, he kind of, when Nori finds out he's an alien, there's this kind of greatness of, he kind of feels a little hurt by it. You know what I mean? Like, obviously uh-huh. he's like a, he's, he's a macho dude. He's so, so he's pissed about the case or whatever, but it's obviously like, I thought, I thought I knew you, I knew who you were, man. Now you're a fucking alien. I think that <laughs> that scene actually plays really well for me. And I think, yeah, it's it's a weird. Uh, it's widely available. It's on Amazon and all that crap. Um, so it's not super hidden, uh, pun intended. But it's just <laughs> odd that I've not. I've, I never heard of this movie. I've never. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not one of those movies that gets brought up in the in this ilk of like crazy eighties action insanity. And, and it needs to be. It does need to be. Uh, yeah, I loved it, and I think. I do think it pairs well with cat people as the second half of it, just because it kind of gives yeah. you all, all that you want, which is just like, could someone just turn the fucking volume up please? And that this movie does. And <laughs> it's a good, it's a good midnight watch for me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I think that that will uh, wrap it up for uh, this week's episode. That was cat people from 1982 and the hidden from 1987. Thanks so much, uh, Stephen, for, uh, for joining us and yes. for bringing these um, films with you. Um, if you have uh, anything to plug while you're here, usually that's where we have this is where we have you do that. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'm part of a podcast called We Hate Movies, uh, whmpodcast.com. Uh, we review movies every week um, in comedic fashion. Uh, you know, it's a, try not to do the whole bad movie thing too much. You know, w- movies that we like, movies that we don't like, all kind of fit in the same bucket of just kind of uh, silliness that we try and share with you folks each and every week. We have a, a very uh, vivacious Patreon with various levels and a ton of bonus content. So if you like the show, nice. you should check that out. Pat- Patreon.com slash we hate movies. And we are going on tour just an FYI. If you are in the Midwest, if you are in Cleveland, Ohio, Chicago, Illinois, and or Detroit, Michigan in mid October, the 10th, the 13th, the 14th and the 16th, uh, we're, we're doing shows on uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, uh, Taken, and RoboCop 3, uh, so please check those out. And then we're going back on the tour, Robocop back on 3. the road in uh, in the, in the south, southeast in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina in November 18th, uh, Asheville, North Carolina on November 19th, and Nashville, Tennessee, November 21st, doing Under Siege Jr. and Footloose, respectively. So thank you guys nice. for having me, and I hope to see you guys on the road. Hell yeah. Yeah, do it. Yeah, and if anyone, uh, if anyone hasn't listened, I would recommend going and listening to uh, my episode of the Eight Movies that is out there. I came on, I went on and talked about uh, Charles Bronson's uh, (laughs) Ten to Midnight uh, craziness of the the cop movie meets uh, meets the slasher (laughs) movie. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) it's for jerking off, isn't it? have not stopped thinking about that line. Uh, Thank you, Charles Bronson. Um, incredible. But yeah, I can definitely recommend uh, the We Hate Movies boys. Uh, we, uh, for our listeners, we're going to be back in uh, one week's time where we are going to be kicking off uh, Spooktober, which for 
most of the old listeners, everyone should know for all of October, we do nothing but talk about horror movies. We, you know, at some point we talk about, you know, we talk about horror movies throughout the year, but we do nothing but, and actually this year, looking back at our list, we did a lot of, um, uh, action and crime and uh, science fiction stuff this year. We we didn't do as much horror as we do most years, so yeah. we're going to go crazy and we're going to kick off Spooktober next week with an episode on uh, Mario Bava's Blood and Black Lace ooh, and Dario ooh. Argento's Bird with the Crystal Plumage. We're going to go uh, Giallo mode and then in two weeks' time we're going to be back with the first uh, free episode, and the uh, we have a very special guest who's going to talk vampires with us. We're going to be talking one, Daughters of Darkness from uh, 1971 or 1972, one of those sort of like OG kind of like uh, erotic vampire horror kind of films, and we're going to be pairing it with none other than Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. Oh, from buddy. 1992, a movie that uh, a lot of the patrons have been asking us to do for a long time. So Hell we're yeah. finally going to get around to doing that in two weeks' time. That movie so is insane. Spooktober is here. It's crazy. It's upon us. Everyone should be, um, you know, getting their jack o' lanterns out, getting ghostly. Yes. Uh, getting the vibe going and watching a bunch of horror films, which is what we're going to be doing on the show, as well as, you know, outside the show, I'm going to be doing that, too, because uh, yep, <laughs> that's who we are. <laughs> Never stop. Uh, but yeah, that being said, that wraps it up for uh, everything this week. Thanks so much for listening and keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know if I was supposed to say that. Nailed oh, you it. Can. No, you've you've joined you've joined the ranks of like ten people uh, who have done it, and they are our favorite <laughs> That's great. guests. I'm the eleventh. Yeah. I love we it. We welcome. <laughs> we welcome it.